Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Hey, it's Tuesday and the Wise Guys are here and you might be saying, what was taking you guys so long? It takes seven days. It's Tuesday and then a whole nother seven days and now we're back. Yep. There's a lot going on tonight. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, we're the Wise Guys and uh, we're glad to have you uh, settling in with us and also listening on the podcast. Yep. Th- thanks for joining us and remember, follow us on YouTube. Um, we're going to put the link in the chat so you know where to go. Hit the subscribe button because it's free. Um, click on the bell. You'll get notifications whenever we post something new or when we go live. Hey, the more subscribers we get, uh, the longer we can do this show yeah so, our wives will let us do yeah. that they like, think a lot we, of when we go home they go like how many people were on with you tonight and how many downloads of the podcast and how many this because if it doesn't increase they yank us off the show yeah because you know a lot of people uh do like tuesday night bible studies and stuff yeah. and and sometimes sometimes they might think we're actually at, at one of those yeah. and, and we're over here yeah so, so it's important and, for us to yeah. rationalize so and follow us on twitch as well and d- there's no reason why you can't do both because it's free so yeah. follow us on twitch it, it, to make your free account you click on the chat button on the lower right of the screen screen you sign up for free and follow us we'd love to have you follow us on both platforms we've right? done our research and uh, we've determined that free is everyone's favorite price yep, yep. if it's free it's for me and i'll take three that's our theme <laughs> that's, Vice that's taught my, me that way back in school if I've it's free that. it's for me i'll take three yeah, that's vice theme when we were in school if it's free it's for me i'll take three this was his theme back <laughs> in school right, let's I jump think in it's still vice theme right now i think you're right we've had lunch with him and i'm pretty sure he still follows the same principles yes byu beats Utah Tech 5226. They're bowl eligible for the sixth time in Kalani Sataki's seven seasons. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we got former Cougar receiver Ben Cahoon, who is joining us in just a few minutes with his breakdown of Puka Nakua's game. So, one of the greatest receivers in the history of BYU. In my opinion, and well, in everybody's opinion, the greatest receiver in the history of the Canadian Football League. Absolutely. So he's in a good position to talk to us about um, how, how about Puka Nakua's skill set. Is he, he doesn't, ready? He is doesn't, he ready for the NFL? Yeah, and Ben doesn't like it really when we say he's the best, but deep down inside, I think he likes it when we do say that. No, here's the thing. It drives me nuts when Ben knows he's the best, and he acts all like, no, you guys, come on, I'm not the best. Yeah, well, we're going to get but, that out of him tonight. But, we know, like, it's evidence-based. Yeah. It's evidence-based. Most He's the best the, receiver in the history of the Canadian football. Most of what we do on this show is true. Right. But And that part and is great, especially. And the Grey Cup was just this weekend. Yeah, I saw I, that. I was watching. I was watching. They had, like, a big pregame show and everything. He's got three Grey Cups. He did, it looks like he didn't bring one of them with him. Yeah. So they must be they must be at the house. We're going to talk about Canadian rules and, and some of that stuff. Yep. BYU Stanford season finale Saturday night at Stanford. We'll look at the quarterback matchup between two Latter day Saint missionaries going at each other on national TV for the very first time. Two guys who took two years off of their lives, then get back to football, recruited by BYU, and I think that's gonna be cool to watch. It's really cool. We'll talk about that. Hey, back when I played like it was, it seemed like a well-known fact that you couldn't go on a mission and come back and play quarterback at BYU. Yeah, it just didn't happen, and, and it had, certainly couldn't go to the NFL. It, it had never happened, um, and somebody had to break that glass ceiling. We've had we had that guy 
on the show. It was Brandon Doman was the first guy right. that was like an all-conference national attention that actually went into the league. So that was a long time after me, and it wasn't until Brandon did that that others thought they could do it. But these two guys are really showing um, that, that you can go out and do it and yeah. be really, really good. So it's pretty be a fun, fun game. Yeah, pretty fun. fun. We'll, we'll be rooting for Tanner. To, to do well, but not well enough to beat BYU. Right. So, we, we've got our priorities. Yeah. Hey, we're going to have Ken Lund, um, our California North uh, Region Alumni Chapter Director, join us here. And he's going to fill us in on all the activities surrounding the game this weekend. Expecting a huge uh, yeah, crowd. Yeah, oh, big crowd of, of Cougars. We've been calling it a Cougar, you know, it's going to be a Cougar takeover in, in Stanford Stadium. It could weekend. be kind of like Las Vegas back at the old Sam Boyd Stadium when the Cougars would come. Love it. And uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what he's got to say. BYU TV basketball analyst Tyler Haas going to join us. Uh, the Cougars start the battle for Atlantis tomorrow in the Bahamas. He'll join us via Zoom. We're also going to ask him in a free throw contest between him and his former teammate, Jimmer Fredette, who would win? Ooh. Yeah, that's yeah, coming. That's, see, I'm glad you didn't make a three-point contest no this we went right to the free you went to the free throw line because i i actually might i think i might put my money on tyler on i think one. so too let's see what he so, says all right that, that'll be interesting um and maybe we should see if, if ben cahoon could beat him at free throws too we're gonna ask ben cahoon about showdowns with his father-in-law governor gary herbert yes oh, we yes. got our own set of questions for yeah. that um so okay and we're gonna give you some updates from the ncaa cross country um the uh and the women's uh soccer both on the national level uh uh, competing this last week. We'll give you updates on how they fared. And how about tonight? Volleyball getting ready for the match of the year at the Smithfield House. That's after we're done. We're like a pregame show. Right, right. Uh, it's 8 o'clock local time. The Toreros are number two in the country. BYU's number 18. Usually that's reverse. Yeah, is that on BYU TV or somebody else? ESPN 2. So ESPN 2 is in the Smithfield House carrying that game. Yeah. That's coming awesome. up tonight after yeah, the show. That's pretty awesome. All right, our headlines, BYU Bowl eligible, 6-5 and five now with a game to go. They are guaranteed to be placed in one of ESPN's 17 bowl games. Which one do you think it'll be and when? I was thinking it was the Mobile, Alabama Bowl, which would be okay with me because it's the port city down there on the coast of Alabama. Really neat southern city with a lot of history. I think that'd be good. I've heard Frisco Bowl in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, and I think for the players, hey, if you're not in the New Year's Six Bowl, the, the players, I remember this, and Ben can verify with me when he gets on. You wanted to play before Christmas. If you're not in New Year's Six Bowl, you want to play before Christmas. And those bowls I just mentioned are before Christmas. And so and I've, re I've heard the New Mexico Bowl as well, which is also before Christmas. So if you're not in a New Year's Six Bowl, then you might as well play before Christmas so you can go have a great bowl experience, play in a great place, win a game, and then go spend time with your family over the Christmas vacation. So I'm with the players on this one. Yeah. So can you? I can't see Ben from here. Can you? Did he bring his Cotton Bowl championship ring? See, Do you now see that's anything? A, that's a, the There's no bowl, gray cups the or a Cotton Bowl championship ring. New Year's ring? Day Bowl, right? That's why you go the Cotton Bowl. You go on CBS, right? If you're in the Cotton Bowl, you go. If you're not in the Cotton Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl or one of those, then you try to find one that happens before Christmas so you can be with your family for Christmas. Hey, Am I, I right, Ben? Am I right? He's agreed. He agrees. Thanks, there Ben. You go. Uh, red so, alert: Big Twelve football schedule. It's ready to come out. Yeah, December first and. Uh, We'll see who, who BYU is going to host. I'm just I'm just so hopeful that we get Oklahoma in Lavelle Edwards' very first stadium, very first year, or Texas, or Texas. We've had Texas. I I'm, know, but it would be nice to see him. It'd again. be great to have him there. I, I want <laughs> Oklahoma right. in year one, and I want Texas in year two, and then they can go to the SEC. And Athletic care. director Tom Holmo said that on on game day that he's seen. He knows which teams are coming. Mm -hmm. He knows where BYU's going. Still waiting on dates, but he said, "Hey, look, it's coming out December first. We got to get all those details done." He goes, "So 
He uh, he likes what he sees. He likes what he sees. And that's the that's, first person that we know that said, said, but I like what I've I see. seen it. Okay. Hey, how about uh, BYU and Stanford coming up this weekend? Um, it wraps up the regular season. It's Saturday night. Like, we go on the air with a pregame show local time here in Utah because we'll be in studio. We'll have Spencer and Dave Nixon in the stadium at Stanford. Yeah. But that game kicks off at 8 local time in Palo Alto on the West Coast. That's so 9 9 o'clock here. here in Mountain. Our friends in New um, York. 11 p.m. in New York. We'll go on the air at 6 p.m. here, right? 7 p.m. Oh, 7 p.m. No. Yeah, because the game's at 9 p.m. local oh, time. Man. I'm, so I'm, then you figure it's, it's going to be so over late. around I'm 1. I'm already tired. I can't and then we're doing think. the postgame show. Yes, yeah, 7 p.m. What time are we going to get off the air Sunday morning? I don't know, but I do love the fact that we're not on the Pac-12 network. It's on FS1. Everyone right. gets FS1 if you got cable. Yep. So you have access to the game. You have access to us before and afterwards. And, yeah, it's going to be late. So, look, watch your turkey sandwich stuff because you eat turkey and get tired. Yeah, trip you to wipe turkey off the menu yeah. for Saturday. So, if you, yeah, if you've had the turkey on Thursday, eat all the leftovers <laughs> on a Friday. By Saturday, don't eat that stuff. That trip to fan will put you to sleep. You won't stay up for the no, game. No, we can't be messing around. This is a great whole bunch of great games on Saturday. Yeah. And, and this is the very latest one That's in right. all of college football. BYU on a six, a six and five now, as you mentioned, that, but they're on a two-game winning streak. Stanford is three and eight, and they're on a four-game losing streak. Cal beat them 27-20 on Saturday. They had a double-digit lead in that game yeah. and let Cal come back. They lost it on a fumble return for a touchdown. Cal, uh, Stanford is 124th in the country in turnover margin. They just they just keep giving the ball away. Yeah, they're, no, they're not very good. And they were three and nine last year, so that's two really let, different. Let me, let me tell you something years. that's really. But they're put, big. What's really putting pressure on them is that in the Pac-12, in the last sixteen games, they're one and fifteen. Wow. Yeah, and so there's a lot of pressure on that group over there. But here's the thing: they have athletes. They're big and physical. Um, they've struggled because they've had four running. They're four top. Well. They're on their fifth running back right now, and at the beginning of the season, that running back that's their starting running back the last three games was playing strong safety, and they've moved him over to running back. And Stanford's a program built around punishing run game and play-action pass. It's been really a difficult year this year for them. But but they're physical, and they're big, and they'll play solid defense, and they're smart, and they they <clears throat> they turn the ball over, but they don't get penalized because they're, they're pretty disciplined in that way. Um... This is not just a walkover. My, you know what my biggest fear is? The BYU players watch the film and go, Oh, we're going to kill oh, these, these guys. guys aren't very good. Yeah. Because if you just watch the film, like I was watching the film going, Ooh, these guys aren't very good. These guys aren't very good. <laughs> and, then, that, and then you got to realize that they're big, strong, and physical. And if you don't show up. Or you fumble. Well, you give them the ball, yeah, ask, they'll score. You know, ask uh, Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame. Ask Notre Dame. Was, sh- I think Notre Dame watched them on film and said, Man, these guys aren't very good this year. Our rivals, not that's one of their rivals. They're not very good. And they showed up, and Stanford physically beat them up. They got killed at Utah, but it was 14-7 at halftime. Right. And they had chances. You're like, yeah. you know, they turnovers, can't be that bad. Turnovers killed them in that game. So if they take care of the ball, they can be a little more scary. So I'm just hopeful that this staff and th- these players can look at this and go, hey, we can't take anything for granted this year and, and got to come and play with great execution. We, we In our AFR show today, if you guys didn't get a chance to watch it, go back and watch it. But in terms of assignments, BYU was so much better the last couple weeks, especially on defense. Like, their run fits were correct. Their leverage was correct. They had two blown coverages in the secondary, which cost them points. But but I've been most concerned about their run fits on defense of anything and, and they were really good the last two weeks. So that's promising going into this game. Interesting matchup with the two quarterbacks. Both BYU recruits. One 
came here, and the other one went to Stanford talking about Jaron Hall and Tanner McKee. Uh, Hall served his mission in California, and McKee served it in Brazil. I wrote a story in the Deseret News uh, about the historic showdown of these two guys on national TV going after each other, two RMs um, battling it out Saturday night, which I think makes it kind of cool. And then we looked at their numbers today uh, in comparison with their careers. Uh, Hall's won a lot more games. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting, McKee's thrown one more pass. Yeah, and, and he's thrown one more pass, um, which is unusual at Stanford. But but especially in the last four games, with all these running backs down, Tanner McKee's had to carry this team. Like, they've just had to throw it almost every down. You know, he's coming off of a game um, uh, that the one that lost to Cal, where he was 29 of 45. He threw 45 balls. Stanford quarterbacks don't. Like, even when Luck was there and they were ranked in the top three and winning Rose Bowls, he wasn't throwing the ball 45 times. No, he's handed it to McCaffrey. And he wasn't asked to carry the team. Yeah. You know, you, you've always had guys um, at quarterback that were really good game manager, NFL talent guys, but they didn't have to carry the team. The running game carried the team. This is such a different philosophy for Stanford by by necessity. And so. So Hall's thrown for uh, completed 19 more passes for over 1,000 more yards yeah. and for uh, 23 more touchdowns. But what's interesting to me is in their mobility, uh, McKee is a big 6'6 guy. Uh, doesn't love to run. Pocket passer. 130 rushes, minus 83 yards, but still six touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Hall has 179 rushes for 729 positive yards and eight touchdowns. Yeah, so you, you And remember, they're taking away sacks from that. Now, Hall hasn't been sacked a bunch this no. year. BYU's offensive line. And McKee has and, been. And, while there have been times I haven't felt great about their run blocking, and maybe that's more of a running back problem than an offensive line problem, their pass protection's been stellar all year. And so... McKee's not not as stellar. He gets the ball out, um, but both of them have NFL aspirations, and both of them are are they're both juniors. But you see them on all of the the draft boards where they're talking about, you know, whether they're a late rounder. They they talk about both Tanner McKee and Jaron Hall as NFL prospects. So two talented return missionaries. Um, Jaron Jer- Hall's five and one against the Pac-12. Right he's got now. three. He's got two more wins than McKee. Right in the Pac-12. And McKee's played a bunch more games in yeah. the Pac-12. So yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Chris Brooks going to be uh, back then old stomping grounds reuniting. He was a Cal Bear. Now he's going to go back and play. Right. He's going to play the big game again. He's playing his rival only for BYU, yeah. and um, and Stanford is the only. Pac-12 school, BYU has never defeated. Right. They've, now, they've only played twice, right? So Stanford's 2-0 and against BYU. 2003 in Provo and 2004 at Stanford. Yeah, that's interesting. So, Unis, what, what are we going to look – what are we going to see this week? Remember how sharp they looked last Thanksgiving uh, against USC? Yeah, the royal bottoms. Same unis. The white tops with the royal trim and letters and the royal helmets. Royal hat, yeah. Oh, I like that. That'll look. go great against the, the Cardinal red. Mm-hmm. Uh, weather for an 8 p.m. start in Palo Alto, clear skies. The high of the day is around 65 degrees. The low is 45, so somewhere in between there. Yeah, nice. When, when we get going with light wind, which is going to be nice. Let's, yep, yep. Uh, let's move our man into... Hey, come on over, Ben. Our first guest tonight is the most decorated former BYU football player to ever suit up in the Canadian Football League, former Ricks College and BYU star, BYU from 1995 to 1997. Loud. He played 13 seasons for Montreal, won three Grey Cups. In 2014, he was inducted into the CFL Hall of Fame. A pleasure to welcome the great Ben Cahoon to the Wise Guys. Welcome. Thank you. 
It's great to be with you guys. We're glad you're here. We're not, we're not just glad to have him here because he's a great player, though, because Ben's one of our guys. <laughs> so we love Ben. He's a good friend of ours, and we're so glad to have him here. Listen, when you stepped onto the Canadian football field for the first time, what did you think? I mean, it's complete. it seems like it's completely different from our football fields. Yeah, the game itself is, is similar. Once you get lined up, you know, you're just trying to beat the guy in front of you. But the field is bigger, it's wider, it's longer. There is a 55-yard line. That does not <laughs> it seem, doesn't seem right, you right? Played, you played your whole life. You played at Mountain View High School and BYU, and then you go up there and there's a 55-yard line. Yeah, that'll throw you off. And, how, how much, <laughs> and, and it's quite a bit wider, right? Yeah, it is. I think it's 10 or 11 yards wider. Um, the outside receiver is so far away from, and that's where I started my career is the outside receiver. Mm. You're a mile away from the You're quarterback. So far away from the quarterback that you don't get a lot of action, actually. Um, Unless inside breaking routes, right? Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, so it's still 100 yards in length. Is it's actually right? 110. Over 110 because of the 50 yard. Yeah. And then the goalposts are, are, they're not in the back of the end zone, they're right there in the front, right? Brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah why, why is game, picking I'm, games I'm a hoping part of it game. catches on <laughs> down here. How, how come they still do that? So, it seems like it's a hazard. Isn't that the why the NFL and everybody moved them out of the field of play? And then the Canadian League is sitting right there in the middle. Did you ever run into the goalposts? I did not, but I ran plenty of guys into them. <laughs> I used uh, it as a pick. We, just, we were watching the Grey Cup this weekend, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's the timing of my being on your show. Right on. You know, lines because up the, with that. Thank you. Um, but I was asked that question. I, I don't know the reason why they're up there, but yeah. the, the end zones are 20 yards deep, and it allows for a lot of kick return, missed field goal returns out of the end zone. It's, it's pretty exciting. Is that actually. why they do it? Well, yeah. and, here, and here's the other thing that, that's interesting. Um, you know, and I went up and worked out for, for the um, – I wor- worked out for Calgary, and I worked out for Toronto. I ended up signing the USFL. I should have gone up there to go up and, and, and play up there, but signed in the USFL, and then that league folded, and that just – caused me all kinds of problems but um when i was up there working out and we were working with full receiver groups i couldn't wrap my head around the fact that the receivers could be running full speed toward the line of scrimmage multiple in motion at the same time how does that work yeah we're doing the the three-man weave behind the line of scrimmage before the snap (laughs) it's awesome and and when you have a deeper end zone you know we always talk about throwing teams so these air raid teams in college football you know mike leach type offenses Is they get down when you get you almost don't want to have a first and goal at the eight because the end zone is only ten yards deep and so the defenders can just sit because nobody's going to run by them and, and it's really easy to defend that ten yards so teams that don't run it really well down there have a harder time the windows are really smaller having a twenty yard end zone makes it easier to throw the football down on the goal line right yeah all your routes are are in play you know when you're even on the one yard line you can still run fades you can still run posts and post corners and so forth. So it opens things up a lot. So you go up there and one, you're fast and, and you're really good. And then you look at the field, which now favors someone fast and really good. And you look at somebody trying to defend you over this giant piece of real estate. And you're thinking to yourself, there's no way this guy's guarding me. I got too many. I can do too many moves over here. Well, you're generous to call me fast. I was always more quick than shifty, fast, but shifty probably okay. is accurate. But, um, the the motion played, you know, was a real advantage for me because I could start running a route ten yards behind the line of scrimmage and start setting a guy up, and that was always one of my skills was just kind of manipulating a defensive back. And, yeah. and in the CFL, I had more time to do that. Now we should point out, we'll talk in a moment. No one caught more passes 
than Ben Cahoon, except for one guy who's caught two more since you retired in when, the history when, of the when league. When you left the league, you were the all-time leading receiver in CFL history, right? Yeah. And then, so this guy, who we don't like at all. Yeah. What's his name? I know he has a terrible I family. I don't remember. G-Roy. No, G-Roy <laughs> Simon. So G-Roy Simon, who is not the player that Ben is, did he play longer than you in the league? He did. See, that's not, that's not right. He played two years longer to get two more passes. So, so here's the question. Um, would your former team let you come back just for one game and throw you three screens so that you could get the record back? Would they let you? If, if, if you called and said, hey, hey Montreal, let's do a big promotion. Let, I'm going to come back. I will suit up. Let's just throw me three screens. I won't get hurt, and I'll, I'll own the record again. Would they do that? I, I think they would. It might not be <laughs> they, wise. They worship you up there. It, it might not be wise, but... They, you think they would, would do it? Would your wife... Oh, my gosh. I'm gonna, I will call them right now. You got 1,017. You tell me who to call. I will call. We will make this <laughs> You thing. got 1,017 uh, receptions. Um, so you'd need to get to 1,020. Yeah, we just get to 1,020. Would Kim let you do that? Oh, she'd be ecstatic. Yeah. She would Absolutely. do it. So we've cleared two uh, of the biggest hurdles. The she, team says yes, and your wife says yes. I think Kim thinks in her mind, if I were to go back and play football, I'd really be cool and manly like I used to be. <laughs> so that's probably not Listen, this happen. is something to think about because usually it's it's the wife that says, absolutely not. Those days and, are over. And, here, and, the, the and the organization's like, uh, we're not doing that. We've got a chance. We've got a chance. They, they could do this. I, I think we need to make some phone calls. It's Montreal, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think we can make some calls and see if we can work. I will be your agent, and we're going to get you that record I think we back. could do that. Here, here's the thing I want to make very clear, too. So we've already established, like, so Dave with Diane, Brenda with me, anybody that sees us together with our spouses, they're like, okay, you guys are tricky. You're resourceful. You, you know how to trick people. You can sell all of this. If you see Ben with Kim... You will recognize that he also way outkicked his coverage. <laughs> I've seen pictures. Beyond I think you're right. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, he way outkicked his coverage. Absolutely. And, but that's somehow we figured out how to do that. Do you think it's the whole manly I played football thing that allowed us to do I don't that? know. I didn't play football. But he was a big TV star from an early age. That's yeah, true. I was that that's back true. in the day. So <laughs> Kim is great, by the way. I, I know that Ben would agree with that. We got a lot She's of a problems. Fan. Yes, she is. We have yes, a lot of is. problems with your father-in-law we'll talk about yeah, in just we a can, little bit. Okay. But, but Kim, we're, we're all good with. Um, we're visiting with uh, former BYU receiver Ben Cahoon on the Wise Guys. Back-to-back seasons, 2002-2003. Honored as the uh, CFL's most outstanding, outstanding Canadian Award recipient. Nice job. Not everyone gets that. In fact, we don't know anyone else yep. who, has, who has won that. <laughs> yep. uh, let me ask you this. What is the talent difference between the Canadian Football League at its best and the National Football League, which everyone here is so overexposed to? There's definitely a talent level difference, um, but it's good football. Um, most of the guys on the team, they were captains of their university. You know, they played big-time university ball at U- Ohio State or at Clemson or Florida State. They were all conference. They just didn't make the NFL, or they played in the NFL for two or three years. Yeah. were kind of salary casualties, so they came up to Canada to keep playing, keep you know, acquiring some fit game film to get back to the NFL. Um, the guy we talked about, G. Roy Simon, who has the record, he and I were in training camp together at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the guys up there are, are good football players. Just, you know, either just got cut, got yeah. released, or got injured, you know, trying to get back down south. And do they all, do they all, it's like every college kid wants to go to the show, the Canadian football players, are they all looking for a way back into the NFL or are they just good? 
a lot of them are. I mean, we really? had like Andre Risen came up there for yeah. a year. Jacquez Green, I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, he came up there for was a Doug, bit. was Doug, Doug Flutie, who was more my age, but. He wasn't up there when you started to play, was Just he? Just missed him. He was he there came, the previous year. So he had come back down after mm -hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I Jeff. called a Canadian football game. Remember when Vegas had a had a team I in the do. CFL? Yeah. And, uh, and we went up there, and they, we aired some of their games on Channel 8, our station. And so we went up to British Columbia to play a game. It's the only time I've ever been in Canada. And, uh, and it was just uh, it was fascinating. And then, and then we came home. That was it. Was and it, it wasn't long... No, I don't. I, no, I don't think it was in a dome, um, but it was a cool stadium. They are deeply invested yeah, this, in their this football. Week's Grey Cup wasn't in a dome. No, it surprised me. I'm like, this time of year in Canada, not in a dome in Saskatchewan. Yeah, no kidding. Like, I'm like, where's the sled dogs? I, I just like, I felt like, but you know what? It was kind of a cool event. You see all the news about Buffalo. They had five feet of snow, no, and yeah. then they had to move the game. I mean, that would not have happened in Canada. They would have just played. We would have played. Yep. Where would you put the snow? I was looking at those Buffalo pictures. I'm like, it's one thing to clear the field, but then where do you put it? Because everything else is buried in five feet of snow, and then the parking lot in the streets. I don't know if they even had a shot. But you're saying the Canadians would have played on. I have watched them clear the stadium with three feet of snow on it, and it's a thing of beauty to see. They have a system. <laughs> and, and, and the fans, they just embrace it. Right. It's like, we're from Saskatchewan. Of course we're going to the game. Yep. This doesn't bother us. Yeah, we had fifty five thousand at the game the other day. It was cold. Yeah, here yeah. in Provo, but we you, didn't have any snow you, you, or any of that stuff. You just have to embrace it. So that was a pretty good game, uh, this Grey Cup game, and and I was I knew you were coming with this this week, and I was like I haven't watched a Grey Cup game in a while. So I actually watched the game, and I thought it was cool. I mean, it was treated like a Super Bowl. Big time, uh, you know, recording artists with Canadian roots performed in the in the pregame, and they had flyovers and like it was, and and you played in three right. I played, oh, played in eight. You won three. You won, won three. three. Yeah. So you played in eight. What's that experience like to play in a great cup? Well, most of the time it's cold, but it is amazing. It's big time. And, uh, you know, that's what you work for 12 months out of the year. And um, even though the CFL is a small league, a great cup championship is pretty elusive. And, like, we were there eight times and only won three. Yeah. So, um, but it's as big as it gets down there. And, and, uh, the parties afterwards are crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> it seemed like they, they tried an American expansion, and then they've all gone back. It seemed like there was a handful of teams down here, Vegas being one of them, and then uh, it seemed like there were a couple in the south. And football's, Everyone's still trying to tap into the love of the NFL, whether it's the XFL or the, the, new, the, the Euro League or USFL. Um, and then, then they seem to retreat it back to like, you know what, we're just going to be with the Canadian Football League. What's interesting is most of those teams or most of those cities where there's CFL's teams, yeah. now there are NFL teams. Baltimore had a team. Vegas. You know, they got kind of, so I think the NFL kind of pushed them back into Almost the purposely Shoe. we're going to put teams yeah. in these markets. Yeah. People sometimes will say to me, like, when there's a really bad team in the NFL and they'll be like, oh, I'm telling you, Clemson this year could beat the Cleveland Browns. And I go, no, they cannot. The, the, the worst team in the NFL would kill Clemson or Alabama or this year, Georgia, kill them. And, and people say, oh, a really good college team. Couldn't a really good college team compete in the CFL? They, they couldn't, right? Like a, a good, like, let, let's just say Notre Dame goes up there. Notre Dame, well, Notre Dame's a bad example. They're not that great this year, but. Let's say Georgia goes yeah, up there. If Georgia went up to the CFL, um, how would they compete against the CFL team? 
Well, that's tough. It just it's going to depend on if they play with CFL yeah, rules. Yeah, now let's say this: CFL if they field, played CFL field. rules, Georgia might be in big trouble, <laughs> yeah, right? I think so. But um, I think it'd be a good game. But like I said, every player on the CFL a roster is an all star. Yeah. It was all conference. They played at Georgia and at Clemson and at Alabama and at all those schools. A lot did. We had Lawrence Phillips was our running back right. for a year or two up there from we Nebraska. Had, we had. Um, Robert Edwards, who was, you know, NFL Rookie of the Year. So we, yeah. we had some dudes for sure. And every year there were three or four guys from every roster that went down and got, got back on NFL ra- yep. rosters. Cool. That's good stuff. Well, you had some cool things uh, happen to you with, with BYU, first as a player and second as a receivers coach. So the 1996 Cotton Bowl team, 14-1, and one, most wins in school history in a season. Do you think – that team could beat Blaine's 1984 oh, national championship team. Let's just be, it's just us three talking. What do you think? I have, I have not thought about that before. Well, let's think about how it. Was, how was your strength of schedule? Because now, we yeah. ended up playing like five or six. Yeah, no, you, you guys had a better strength of schedule. We're, and here's what people don't understand about the 84 team. We were good on offense. We were always good on offense back in those days. And we were like pioneers in throwing the football. But our defense was lights out. We turned the ball over six times against Michigan in the Holiday Bowl and won. And, and, and off of that defense, you had Kurt Govea, who played like 15 seasons in the National Football League as a starter, an all-Madden team guy. You had Leon White, who started nine seasons at the other outside backer and was a starter in the Super Bowl. You, you know, Marv Allen and Kerry Whittingham were both NFL-type guys. Marv went to medical school. Kerry played a couple of years in the league. Um, Kyle Morrell was starting with the Minnesota Vikings as a rookie at free safety before he blew his knee out. And, and, and so... That defense was just stacked with a bunch of NFL guys. And then you had young young Sean Knight and young Jason Buck and those guys on that that were NFL guys. Our are, you, defense, are you ready to counter with our, your defense? Our defense was – no, what I'm saying is people just think that, that old BYU teams are great on offense. The strength of 84 was the defense. Yeah, and you had nail biters like, like in the, 84. The 83 team, you know, Steve Young's team, they were probably better than us offensively. Jim McMahon's 1980 team – Better than us offensively. I think you guys may have been better than us offensively in 96. I think it would be a great battle. You had Omar and Tim and all those guys. Like, some, Who were some of those guys on that D that you played with? We had a, a strong defense, but we didn't have you know, Hall of Fame NFL guys. Like sounds like you guys. You yeah. had. But we had um, Shea Muirbrook. Oh, Shea tackling Muirbrook, machine. Brad Martin. We had Omar and Tim. Yeah. Two NFL Eddie corners, Samson. right? Yeah. yeah. We had a Henry Bloomfield. Big uh, physical dude, in the, yeah. In the middle of the line. So we had some guys. Yeah, you had some guys on D. But, but you offense, guys were elite, offense elite we on had, offense. Offense, oh, we yeah. had those NFL-type guys. Yeah. Chad Lewis. Yeah, Chad and Atula and, and, and you. And, and the ground uh, game, your quarterback. Who, who else did we have at receiver that year? Was that um, a Kaipo? Kaipo and McGuire, Kale, Kale. Kale Louie. Yeah. Um, we had Ronnie Jenkins, Brian McKenzie. Yeah, and, Ryan, and Ronnie played in the NFL. For and then on special teams, you had James Dye. Yeah. Punt, would would James die? Would would does James die on special teams? Is that the tiebreaker that shifts your team would have beaten his team? He was a game breaker. Yeah, he was. I remember. I think so. We were up doing an interview with with the with the um, Ronnie Mac um, before the Utah game, and somebody asked the question like, "Are you gonna are you gonna punt the ball to James Die?" And Ronnie Mac's the guy that said. Are you, are you serious? You punt, you die. Everybody knows that. We're not punting it to him. Like, what the, the other coach before the game just tells you, no, we're not punting it to him. You know that dude's elite, right? So he was amazing. I 
I, people ask me about that all the time. I'm like, it would be a really good matchup because it would be a matchup of strengths. The 96 offense was so elite with talent. And the nine, or the 84 defense was so elite with talent. That would be one of those matchups of great strength. That would be a fun, fun game. So let's say the final score is 34-31. to 31. Oh, Did your team win? I think so. We should we should replicate this. Ninety six. We do it on the computer. The, the alumni, happened. the alumni game in the spring. Uh, we should do the eighty four against no, ninety six. The, pro- the problem is, is Robbie <laughs> my money would be on you guys. <laughs> no, hey, that's like I don't know how many years ago. Enough years ago that I sh- I was still in decent shape, but we did an alumni game where a bunch of us from BYU played a bunch of guys from the U. Did you play with me in that? I don't think you did. I don't it think was, so. It was a big fundraiser for like 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 the Roadhouse or Ronald McDonald House and Salt Lake, and we did it at Highland High School. It was sold out. I did have one secret weapon. Sean Bradley was one of my wide receivers. <laughs> we brought him in when we got into the red zone. I threw him like an eleven foot high pass, and he just got up in his toes and got it. But, Brilliant. But but it was Brian Johnson and a bunch of guys from the Sugar Bowl team, and they were all fifteen years younger than us, and it just wasn't fair. Yeah, I'm going with 96 on that one. You're going to go 96? I'm going with 96. And the alumni game right now, I'm because, going with 96 too. Because James Dye, I think he's the, he's the difference, difference maker. maker on that. Who was the kicker on yours? Do you know, more importantly, who was the backup to James Dye? You were. That's yeah. right. Are you saying that uh, he hogged all the, all the opportunities? No, I'm not, actually. <laughs> I think he, he gave me plenty of opportunities. Oh, he did? He would break one. Or and two, then and take then it off. Yeah, then give him a little rest. Like, my hamstrings. Little tight. <laughs> but here's the I thing: don't want to scrub the average. Good to have, have good friends. While Ben <laughs> may have been the backup to James returning punts, James was the backup to Ben at receiver. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's right. That is true. Yeah, he would come yeah. in and rotate in for you once in a while. Here's another cool moment. Uh, That's one of the best receiving cores ever at BYU, though. What, those ones that we just mentioned. But but with you, and when I, I I consider tight ends receivers, right? When you take you Ko Kaipo. Chad and Atula, are you kidding me? When you add the tight ends, that becomes a pretty formidable Boy, group. That, yeah, that, 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 I, I that was why ch- that group went 14 and I would one. challenge any of our people watching to give me a, a group of receivers better than that group. That's about as good as I can remember. That's a really yeah. good group. I mean, we had Glenn Kozlowski, Mark Bellini, who both played in the NFL. Um, and and we're, we're great. Adam Haysbert, who was a, a short-term NFL guy. Um, but Glenn and Mark were in the league for a little while. But, but, I mean, the depth of that, if you take it across the board, that's... This current group that BYU has has great potential yes. to be because the young are there. really good right it's now. Once Cody Epps, just a freshman. Chase Roberts, a freshman. Just a freshman. Then you got Cosper coming back. Keanu Hills, just a sophomore. Um, this young group is really, really yeah. good. And, and when you had Puka and Gunner both healthy... Which pretty, we've never had. Pretty, pretty formidable. Yeah. Um, formidable group. And, and Isaac's not healthy either at tight end. He hasn't been all year. But he's coming back next year, and he'll be healthy. Um, this is a pretty talented group right now. Pretty talented group right now. So you had a good night against Arizona State back in the day. Still ranked ninth all-time at BYU with 219 receiving yards. Could they just not cover you that night? It was more just scramble drill. Kevin Federick was running for his life and just throwing him up. I, I, honestly, that was it. I, my daughter, my first child, was born three days prior to that game. Yeah. So and and ASU happened to always be my favorite stadium. Oh, it was wow. just kind of magical. That turf down there was ridiculous. It just it was like so real, it was but like, it was just like Sun Devil Stadium. Perfect, right? It was like a, a golf course yeah. fairway, you know, just trimmed so tight. But that was a special game just for all those reasons and turned out that the stars were aligned, had a big game. When you have a two hundred yard game, I mean football's brutal and, and, and you guys that play it, it's it's just nuts. But uh, when you walk off the field after a 200-yard game, 
Are you just jacked up or are you doubly exhausted? Because most people just are happy to get 100 yards. You think about how many yards you have to run in order to get 200 yards receiving. I mean, that's every game because a lot of times you're just running a route and you never get the ball. But, um, yeah, you're, you're especially exhausted after that. Man. Hey, as a coach, you tutored Cody Hoffman. Um, and he became the all-time touchdown leader in school history. Thirty-three touchdowns. Um, he got in, in 2012. He got. Um, he got that record catching touchdowns from a number of different quarterbacks. Um, how much of that was your coaching as opposed to Cody's flat-out skill set and size? A hundred percent Cody's skill set. <laughs> now there had to be some coaching in there because no. it's hard to do. You, you work with Cody, and I. He was a fun player to work with because of his work ethic, right? Tell us about your your work with Cody and how he was as a player. Cody was just a freak athlete, and he had amazing ball skills. Um, he never looked like he was running full speed, and that used to drive Bronco crazy <laughs> because he, Bronco was an effort guy. You know, he wanted to just see people right, just right. gritting their teeth and, and, you know, veins popping out of him while he was running. And he was just <laughs> smooth, and, and he looked a little lackadaisical, but he was just – that was just Cody. So I was always kind of having a battle with, with Bronco because Bronco wanted to bench him, and I'm like, coach this guy's the best player on the field <laughs> you know i'll try to get him to work harder but but cody was really working hard all the time but he just he made just, it look easy he just made it look even easy. when he caught that bomb against georgia tech which might be one of the greatest catches that we've seen and we keep seeing catches where we go that is the greatest catch right. we've seen that one where he was just totally stretched out in the end zone got the touchdown there and then we were on the call when he broke the record against Boise State, right. which was also a tough touchdown. But he made so many difficult catches. Kind of like Puka makes him look easy. Yeah, exactly. Ball skills, just world-class ball skills. And he, he always seemed to be, like, he was such a big guy. And I feel like when Cody was playing, there weren't as many of those. You know, the big 6'3", 210, 15-pound guys that you try to press cover them on the line of scrimmage, and they just kind of throw you aside, and they play through contact. And contact actually is a benefit to them. Guy comes up and tries to be physical with them, and they come off the contact, and they're more open, mm. right? It seems like now there's a bunch of those guys. Are, are you seeing that, too, as you watch college football? Is that the trend to go with these big physical dudes? It seems like everybody's got Stanford this week, has like two six three wide receivers. I think they want that. I think coaches want that. They're looking for that. They can't always get that, but they, they feel like a big guy gives them an advantage. You know, so... It's it's trendy though, you know. Sometimes you get the little quick, uh, shifty Wes Welker type guys in the slot. They like that, and then the big guys on the on the outside. But um, Cody just knew how to use his body. He was he could have played basketball. He could have played Division one basketball too. He was just a great athlete. It was fun to see him at the um, alumni game. Yes, yeah, uh, back in the spring. So all of that leads us to this to this question, which we promoted on social media today, because now with your experience with Cody makes you an expert here in this field. Um, how good do you think Puka Nakua is? And if you were him, would you go into the NFL this year or would you wait and go one more year? Good question. Puka is elite without a doubt. Um, he's an NFL type receiver. Whether or not he should leave this year and go to the NFL, I mean, there's a lot of factors, you know, that come into play. So I'm not ready what to would make you do? that judgment. What would you do? Because you've, you've I would been analyze, in the professional. I would get field. all the information possible yeah. and, and make a decision based on that information. Would it, would it hinge on if Jaron Hall comes back and you don't want to break in a new quarterback in the Big 12, or would that matter? Um, I think it would matter. Yeah. I think that would be an important part of that decision. 
And, and there's back when you played, when I played, there was no such thing as NIL money, right? And so um, that kind of changes things, doesn't it? Because in the past, it's like, man, you, you have such a small window. Um, if you have a chance to make money, you need to go make it because you're making nothing here. You're barely surviving. You can't even afford to fly home. Right, and Jaron's from here, but but and Puka's from here, which is interesting. They both are right from here in Utah, Utah County, but but some of these kids back in the old days couldn't even afford to go home for for Christmas because they couldn't afford a plane ticket because what they were paid wasn't enough. These guys can get hundreds of thousands of dollars in money. Would that change your decision if you knew that you could come back and have some guaranteed money and get an insurance policy to get to the next year? Would that make any difference? It would come into play. I think the the biggest thing is injury, right? That's that's yeah. what would you know, scare somebody from coming back again because you get injured, you could you know screw your whole career. Mm-hmm. So, um, if Puka comes out healthy at the end of this year, gets some information from the NFL as far as his draftability and and uh, where where he may go in the draft, and let that make the decision. And and with the Jaron Hall aspect too, I think that so it should play. be an easy decision for him after all that. No, it's not going to be it's easy. It's still going to be it's hard. It's never easy. And unless he's just like, this is my goal, and I'm not in school to graduate, and I'm I'm just, you know. You think about it. You played 13 years in the CFL. That's 13 years. All these collegiate receivers came out of school wanting to play professional football, and they didn't take your position. That's hundreds and that's thousands of receivers. It is so hard to get in both leagues to get jobs. And – and this this year, you, you got a bunch of receivers coming out. Everyone currently in the NFL wants to keep their jobs, um, and I, I think I'd be scared to death to go. I'm going. I'm just going in because I think I can, with without the proof of a team going. Hey, we're the Atlanta Falcons, Tyler. We're going to draft you. Might be the eighth round, but if you come out because he gave up two years to come out, you're getting picked, and you're getting picked by us, and we need you. We need you to play. But but those scenarios seem so rare. If if the NFL comes back and says Puka, we think you're a late round draft pick, then that changes. I, I'm it, not right? going. I'm right. not, not going because nobody is invested in you if you're a fifth round draft pick, and you got to beat out a veteran, and then you're at the mercy of whoever drafts you and whoever you're competing against because you're not going to get a shot. You've got to go in and beat well, somebody. You'd out. almost be better as a free agent rather than be a late fifth rounder because yeah, you could pick yeah. a team that has fewer receivers, right? right? Right, but if you're going to be a second or, or third round and you protection, just yeah. see Tyler, you Tyler go got there, the information got two or three years if you if if you're a three a third round. Yeah, Tyler yeah. got information from multiple teams that if you're around a third round, we're taking you. And so I think he made a pretty educated guess. And then, and he still didn't even go to the later right. But the Falcons were were hot but, on and, it. And, and the Falcons had told him, um, "We'll draft you in third round, and we're bringing you in with the idea you're going to play." And and so if you get that information, then then you can go oh, okay. If that makes sense. They're and the same thing for, me, we're go. for the quarterback, too. If you're not going to get picked with some investment, then you should come back. Is that what I'm hearing from, from you? Well, that comes into play. I mean, I think Jacob Conover is a sweet football player. Yeah. Um, I recruited him, and, and he is the real deal. He's going to be exciting and fun to watch. And he's not necessarily as mobile as Jaron Hall. So that comes in play as well. He's going to sit in the pocket. He's going to give you some time to get open, and he's going to throw the ball a little bit more instead of just ready. Yeah. So, know, even, ready so even if Jaron does go, you're saying he, they're, still going to, they're still going to throw for a lot of yards on people, and Puka still can be featured, right? Oh, absolutely. He's going to be the man. Yeah. How about these other guys? Keanu Hill, Chase Roberts, Cody Epps, Braden Cosper. Um, it's a full stable. 
even if Puka doesn't come back, as this group goes into the Big 12. And there's the other American Fork kid who's yeah, just, redshirting this year. Yeah, just got back from Michigan. Between he and Chase Roberts, I think they had 100 touchdowns over there at AF. Yeah. What about this group? How are you feeling in? about the group that's coming up, up and coming? I recruited Chase Roberts. He's my guy. He's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a baller. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think he's more of a slot inside receiver. Um, but uh, they're fun to watch. Hill has been so fun to watch. Um, and people think, have known and, about him. You know, that's been the buzz even before this year. But I think he's really um, proven himself. Their attitudes are, are great. I've had a chance to interview both of them. Uh, and, and Chase, that touchdown he got. He breaks stride in that bomb that he got Saturday. I, I was teased, I was was teased the guys on the show today. I was like, that throw was so good. I think Chase didn't even need to look for the ball. If he would have just kept running and just put his hands out like this, <laughs> the ball actually would have dropped right into his hands without looking at it. That's how good that throw <laughs> was. He showed good speed on it, too. Yes, he did. He yeah, ran those fast. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. A couple when, more questions for Ben Cahoon, outstanding MVP Hall of Famer from the Canadian Football League and, and uh, couldn't be defended when he was at BYU as well. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about Ben that I remember when I was covering covering you. Um, ben talks about being able to move um, and be in motion and how he could set up defensive backs. But but Ben, when teams tried to press Ben um, and get up in his face, they always failed because Ben understood how to get off the line of scrimmage, and he's not a big guy. And so sometimes it doesn't matter if you're a big guy or a little guy. You got to understand the footwork and the handwork that it takes to get off of press coverage. What what made you so special and have the ability to do that when you were not a giant guy like like Cody Hoffman? I don't know, honestly. I, I I just think that it was a mentality. My first experience, I went to Rick's College, walked on at Rick's College. I went up there my very first practice. I got pressed to the line of scrimmage by a re, a grown man. I was just <laughs> a incoming freshman, eighteen year old, and I got marched. I got clamped on, marched up a hill, and thrown into a chain link fence, and then talked to in not so nice terms about welcome to college football. Uh, so that was my welcome. And uh, I learned real quick that I got to figure out a way to, to not let these guys get their hands on me. Exactly. Right? So it was just a little bit of more quicks and, and just and in high school, means. no one could get their hands on you anyway. You were like Puka and no one you get the ball. No one could tackle you, you run for touchdowns. But but you got the message sent to you at Rick's. By the time you came down here, you had it figured out. Yeah, it was just hand to hand combat and and the mentality then was if you press me, you're going to get burned. You know, like I loved people to step up because I got, I wasn't the fastest guy, but I was quick. So I could get them off the line and get some separation that way. And if I got somebody on my hip, then I knew how to break off a route and stick my foot in the ground and come out of a break yeah. and get separation. That that team that you were on, we talk about that whole receiving group. Um, and, and some of the teams I was on, I, I mean, I remember when I was a freshman and Jim McMahon was our starter coming off of a, rec, a year where he broke 76 NCAA records, right? We'd watch a team on film and, and Jim would go, oh, I hope they try to press us. Like, I hope they blitz us. If they blitz us, we will kill them. Like, I will throw seven touchdown passes. It was almost like, oh, yeah, bring it. And, and that 96 team had that mentality like, oh, Steve Sarkeesian, you guys, oh, please come up and press cover us. In recent years, I feel like BYU, that's kind of been the M.O. Let's play too deep. Let's put guys in their faces. Let's get our hands on the receivers. Let's cause them problems. doesn't work so well against, against Puka, but um, is this mostly a mentality that, that, that allows you to say, hey, if you're going to blitz this, you're going to pay. Utah's notorious for just getting in people's faces and trying to manhandle them physically. How, how do you overcome that as a team? 
it is a mentality. It is a confidence, but it's also coaching. And it, 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 the coaches have a responsibility to put players in position to help them succeed. And if that means getting into a bunch of formations or motioning or, you know, having angle releases. So the coaches can do a lot to help. If, if a team, and, and Utah does it every year, they think they can manhandle this at the line of scrimmage, and, and they're fairly successful at it. But, but you, you have to scheme that, and you, have to, and you can do a lot, you know, with formations and with motions to, to help you guys out. And, and once you make them pay a few times early in the game, then they do back off. Exactly. Right, they do back off. Ben Coon with us on The Wise Guys. Your wife, Kim, the daughter of the former governor of Utah, Gary Herbert, which makes him your father-in-law. Uh, a very competitive guy. We, we golf, golf with him. With him. We, he's been here on this show. Uh, he's had a lot of nice things to say about you, but he also has a lot of nice things to say about his own athletic prowess from back in the day. So in your prime. I know where this is going. And in way. his prime, who wins in a game of basketball? In our prime? In your prime. Yeah, because he tells us he was a great basketball player. you got to go back to say And we can't it. really he check was, it. There's no film. We know that he was a stud at Orm High School, and, and you were at Mountain View. Uh, years later, uh, in your two primes, could you take him? I think so. Yeah. yeah. See, I knew. Yeah. I knew that's Ben funny, would have I think that he told us he'd take you. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure that's how that okay. question went. So today. Now today. Now you're both old. You're both old, but you're not quite as old as Gary. But Governor Herbert, I should call him, because he does give me governor's pardon. Yeah, we call him ball. governor all the time. We're not messing ball, with that. And I, I checked on the rules. <laughs> I'm like, Gary, like, can you actually give me a governor's pardon? Because you're not the governor anymore. And he's like, Lane. The governor's pardon extends way beyond your term. Our so biggest I disappointment. Appreciate, I appreciate that. Despite but. taxes, because we don't like paying taxes, our other biggest disappointment uh, with him not running for another term was that um, the highway patrol would no longer look for our golf, golf balls yeah. after we hit them. He'd have bounds. all these people, security people, and you'd hit it in the woods, and they'd be like, it's right here, Blaine. I was like, I it love it. was fantastic. Playing. That's the so best part We'd buy him hot dogs. Yeah. They'd find our yeah. titleists. So, the, the best part of golfing with him was <laughs> is security, security detail to find yep. the ball for you. Yep. Okay, love, so here comes so the here, bigger so question. Yeah. So right now, um, and no dunking allowed or crazy jump shots and stuff, uh, no crazy like double pump, rock the cradle stuff. Who wins in a game of horse? Horse? Yeah. Gary. He's, he's, he's a that, that fast, creative, huh? Right? He's a good shooter. He is a good shooter. Yeah, he is. Um, I, I know. So I know. you take him in the prime, but here in, in 2020, in a game of horse, he would take you. And not, and not many people Great know. We, we talked about it when he was on the show. Um, our former governor, Gary Herbert, was a phenomenal athlete back in the day, multi-sport athlete back in the day. So When, he, uh, when he's not hitting the golf ball straight, however... That's a frustrated Governor Gary Herbert. Yeah, he's very competitive on the golf course. I've not seen that. I've not seen him not hit it straight. Really? He's usually just right down Trust the Trust me, he can hit it as sideways as any of us. Yeah, and it seems like no matter, like, because we let him keep score because it's the right thing to do, right? <laughs> yeah. And it seems like no matter. And by the what, way, he's, he's loose like, with like, this course. Like, I'm like, course. hey, what did you shoot today? And I'm, I'd be like, 76, what did you shoot? Oh, 75. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what? It's funny, hit weight for our scores and then hit announce his score. Sounds familiar, yeah. You know, but now he's not running for office, so I, he's free with some of that stuff. All right, before we do five questions and get you out of here, Big 12 schedule comes out December 1st. Who would you like to see the Cougars open with at home September 23rd next fall? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. See? Yeah, I, That's I, what you I'm know talking that. about. I kind of like Texas because we have a history with them, but. Yeah, Steve Sarkeesian so, at Texas. That'd be fun. Yeah, so you're, you'd love to see the Sooners in? I want the Sooners this year at home, and I want I want and Texas on the road. I want to play them both these first two years because that's the only opportunity because they're going to the SEC. So I want Tex, I want Oklahoma at home this year, Texas on the road, and then I want Texas on the 
at home the following year in Oklahoma. I want them on both, but I don't know that we're going to be so lucky to get that. So It'll be something just to see the Big 12 stamp down on the field. Yeah, it'd be cool. Maybe they should do that for the alumni game. I think so. They're yeah, in the Big 12 by the time that we'll have the schedule. It should be on the field for the alumni game. All right, you ready for five questions? Yeah, you ready? You ready? Sure. These are rapid hey. fire. Yeah. Favorite sports movie? Rudy. Nice. I like that too. That's a good one. Um, my favorite is Remember the Times, but I like Rudy. That's my number two. Favorite singer or band? Ooh. It's pass. No, we'll there's no passing. We'll come back to it. We're coming back to it. We'll, come, we'll swing it back around. After, after the fourth question, we'll go back before the fifth question. Favorite breakfast cereal? Uh, cinnamon check, uh, cinnamon checks, cinnamon checks. Hey, at least it's got sugar on it. Like people yeah. come in here and talk like Cheerios. We're like, please tell me you put like six teaspoons of sugar on that cinnamon that stinky stuff. So, okay. Um, your favorite BYU moment. First catch of BYU, Texas A&M. Ah, was it like Mixed a thousand degrees classic. that day? I don't remember the temperature. I know it was in August. It was, it was in Lavelle Edwards. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. that was a great game. Yep. And we were a big underdog. You guys pumped them. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's, All right. That's pretty fun. Favorite Canadian cuisine? Well, I've never had poutine. That is the Quebec. I don't even know what, what that is. is. That's French fries with gravy and cheese curds. I never, it's famous. Ooh. You lost Quebec. me on the curds, but. Yeah, no, yeah, that's why I've never curds, had it. I've never tried good. it. Okay, so Was what is it? Was something that you actually liked up there, though? Tim Horton's Donuts. Just Tim class. Horton Donuts, and that's Canadian. Yeah, it's yeah. a Canadian so now, now we got to come back to your favorite singer or band. I can't even think right now. Dave okay. made me sing a Journey song on the air last I week. I love Journey. Yeah, during I game do. day. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, thinking, about, I'm thinking about Great Cup halftime. We had Shania Twain up there. Ooh, that was I, will good. Go, I, she, yeah. I like Shania. My wife's been on a little Shania kick lately. Yeah. And she back okay. out. Yeah, she's, she's back, back out on out. tour. I'd go yeah, see yeah. Shania right now. Yeah. yeah. She's awesome. You going with Shania? I guess so. I like it's that. Kinda, just kind of brain freeze right not there. The, so Shania Twain's all it's good. It's not the most strongest endorsement we've no, heard. But sorry about that. I'm going to have to try Shania some Twain. Tim Horton donuts, though. You Where do you got to go to get those? Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Good luck. You can't get them in BC. I know you can get them anywhere. Oh, you can get them in BC? So next time I'm in BC, I'm going to do that. But not in America. corner of every street in Canada. Next time I'm up in Vancouver. Tim Horton's donuts? Maybe Montana. Maybe up close to the border. Do you know when you're driving up to British Columbia, up to Vancouver... The last town you cross in Washington before you go across the border in Canada is Blaine, Washington. Spelled B-L-A-I-N-E, just yeah. like me. Yeah, it's my town. Yeah. I tell the kids that's my town. So It's nice. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure, Ben guys. Cahoon. Greatest receiver and one of BYU's all-time greats, but the, the greatest, greatest receiver, receiver in CFL history on, on with oh, us hey. tonight. It's a, uh, we're pumped. To have Listen, had. I got a, yeah. a couple of shirts for us, so yeah. I'm going to show them right here while you explain... What you're up to besides now that you're not catching yeah, football. People want to know CFL. what you're doing these days, so let's let's fill them in. Hey, I'm doing retail sales for G2G Protein Bar. It's a fresh ref, uh, refrigerated protein bar. We make them in Orem. Been in business about 12 years. It's phenomenal. Grab them at Costco, Maverick, Holiday. So Get we have shirt. them, and you gave me some because Brenda's on. She's on to them because she says they're way healthier than the other stuff I was eating. But here's something that you just told me when we were talking the other day at lunch. That I, I was like, oh, the only thing I don't like about them is I, I can't take them on the road with me because they got to be in the fridge. And you said, no, no, Blaine, like, who, 
They're refrigerated, but they have enough shelf life when they're not refrigerated. You can stick them in your bag and take them on the road with you, right? Yeah. yeah. They're good for eight months when you keep them cold, but they're also good for 30 days outside the fridge right. on the go. So take them on the road with you. I put them, Now I can put them in my backpack and take them on the road when we're on the road doing stuff. Um, and I did not know that until we went to lunch with Ben the other day. Hey, we appreciate how you represent BYU and the Canadian Football League and Mountain View High School, even from an Orm Tiger. Yep. Local guy makes uh, great. We love it. First class. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Thanks so much, guys. We appreciate having you, brother. Appreciate All right, it. man. Tell the governor we'll play, but we're not playing until the 65 again, so we'll probably see him in March yeah. March you, or you April. You should need to come play golf with us. We'll, we'll have that to be our first All I'm waiting for is an invitation. All right, you got okay, it. You got we're the invitation right here. Okay. And your father-in-law will pick up the check. That's also confirmed <laughs> yep. right here. Yeah, he's, he told us he would. All right, Ben, we'll let you go. So, DJ, can we get thanks, that ben. after further review up? And we want to remind everybody, next Tuesday night is the season finale of After Further Review. We're calling it the Farm Report because that's what they said Stanford is down on the farm. Uh, it's literally on the farm. And so the farm report is next Tuesday, 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain on the BYU TV app, followed by an all-new Wise Guys at YSGuys.com, YouTube, and Twitch. Future guests, next week it's just you and me because we've got a basketball game to dance yeah. around. Glenn Kozlowski will be with us December 6th. Have we figured out how we're doing that next week? Yeah. Yeah, I'll explain oh, yeah. to you. After. Okay, we'll, we'll talk. Michael after. Rucker, pitcher for the Cubs, will be with us Very on cool. December 6th. And Scott Robinson, who's the promoter behind the BYU Creighton game at Mandalay Bay in Vegas, he will be with us on December 6th. Danny Ainge will be with us during the month of December as well. And we're yeah. so stoked. You about and I were that. just talking to Danny the other night. He's committed to come out. We just got to figure out the date for Danny. As you might imagine, Danny's a little busy this time of year. Um, you know what I love about Danny? He still finds time. To come out and support the Cougs. Yeah. So he's, he'd sit there um, uh, on press row with us the other night watching and supporting uh, his alma mater. As busy as he is with the jazz and all the stuff that he's got going. Danny's awesome. Our next guest is the California North Region Alumni Chapter Director, which canvasses everything north of Fresno to the Oregon border and up to the Reno Sparks, Nevada area. Graduated from the Y in 2002. Now a real estate mogul in the Reno area. And it's a pleasure to welcome Ken Lund to the Wise Guys ahead of the big BYU-Stanford football game. Ken, thanks for joining us. Thanks. It's a great day to be a Cougar. Yes, it is. It's always good. On, I served my mission in Toronto, Canada, so I was reminiscing on poutine <laughs> and uh, Timbits. Is that good stuff? Is Timbits something? What's Timbits? There's a Tim Hortons on every block in oh, Canada. Man. I think it's even spread into upstate New York. But um, and those yeah, fries and the cheese curds, those are good. Well, I, I respect Ben for not eating it while he was up there in, in, in Canada. Um, you, you know, because you can gain about forty pounds if you uh, eat a lot of that poutine stuff. Hey, you have a lot in common with Ben. Yeah. So his first catch was against Texas A and M in that Pigskin Classic, which was also the first football game you attended at BYU. It was, yeah. I, I was a freshman the 96 season, so that was my introduction to BYU football and a spectacular game. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's your first your first full season on campus, and and you have that team. So I'm gonna, I want to ask you what we asked Ben, and he and I kind of went through it, and we, we were being kind to each other, but who wins the 96 team? I, but I don't know, you. do you even remember the 84 team, the national championship team? Or are you too young for that? Well, I was pretty young. I mean, I was aware that they were in the national championship, but I, I was I was six at the time. So, oh, so you're going ninety six. So that ninety six team was a solid team, top to bottom, and there was solid coaching, top to bottom. 
That was a really good team. Yeah, it was it was a great, great team, no question about it. So yeah, we decided that the offense on ninety six team was elite and and probably better than our offense in eighty four, although we were not bad on offense, right. but our defense was elite and and that would be a really fun match. But they had James Dye, so that was the deal breaker. That's what Dave says the deal breaker is that James Dye, the punt returner, is you kick, you, you punt to him, you die, and you guys didn't have that. You had Vi, which was good. But remember, our punter was the best in the country and yeah. played 19 seasons in the NFL. So maybe we punted it so far it wouldn't even <laughs> matter. So. Ken, how big of a deal is it to have BYU wrap up 12 years of independence in Northern California against Stanford on Saturday night? It's exciting. It, it's surreal to think that this is the last Northern California game for maybe the next 10 years. I don't think we have anything else in California on schedule. So, well, um, I guess there's you a don't know when we're going to when BYU is going to be back in that neighborhood. Yeah. It, there's a possibility. I mean, we don't know these preseason games because like, they're they're not going to be scheduling Cal and Stanford and those kinds of teams. I, I don't think very often. Maybe, no. maybe a Cal or Stanford, but occasionally. But they they could maybe come play in San Jose State or somebody like that in their preseason at some point. But you're right. This is you got you got to take it all in and love it because they may not be back for for quite some time. What kind of fan turnout are you expecting at the Stanford uh, contest? There's somewhere between sixteen thousand and seventeen thousand alumni in the Northern California area. Now I'm in I'm in the Reno Tahoe area, which is just over the hill, about three hours away. So in that area, I mean, you, Cougar Nation has a big footprint in Northern California. And I know, you know, the joke is that Northern California is the greatest exporter of talent in the United States. <laughs> and the reason all of our real estate values have doubled over the last five years. And so, I mean, there, um, Northern California BYU Nation is spreading their footprint everywhere. But there are still a ton of BYU fans and BYU alumni in the area. And this is the last chance for for who knows how long. And you mentioned it earlier, Stanford is the only Pac-12 team that BYU has not beaten yet. And that streak needs to end uh, this Saturday. So it's an 8 p.m. start there at the stadium, which is super – that's late even by California standards. And it's certainly 11 p.m. for the Cougar fans on the East Coast. Probably not too excited about that. But 8 o'clock allows everybody time to get there. You can come over the hill. You can come from wherever you are in California or Oregon. And the weather is supposed to be clear. There is um, no expected precipitation. It'll be a nice balmy 50 degrees at the stadium at kickoff. I love so, that. Um, yeah. tell, tell there's us, no reason not to be there. Tell us about You'll be well-fed with turkey and stuffing. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you about. And maybe the meal is part of it. But tell us about the activities surrounding the game, the tailgate, and, and – and, and what you have in store for BYU alumni that want to participate when they get over there and be part of uh, Cougar Nation. Yeah, so BYU, we're going to be having a tailgate about a quarter mile south of the stadium. It's an area called Corette Plaza. Um, we've been selling tailgate tickets if you wanted to have a meal through us. Um, I think those have sold out. We're done with sales. But anybody can come and gather, um, gather with the Cougars. And it, it, these these alumni activities are always fun because you can see how many fellow BYU alumni you you have in your area. And as I've gone to these over the years, without feel without fail, I've met an old roommate, yeah. um, somebody I haven't seen for a long time. You know, it's a it it's a it's a big world and a big alumni community. Yet it's really tight knit at the same time. So we're gonna have. 
Okay. We're going to have games. We're going to have prizes. Um, you never know who's going to show up at these games. You run into old roommates or hey, what about Steve BYU Young? Players. Steve Young going to show up? That's like across the street. Blaine, give him a call. I'll call him. He, I think he is coming. I think I just saw. His, we need to get him on our pregame show. I just saw Jackson, sure. his son, working out the other day across the street. So Jackson's at BYU now. Steve's Steve's youngest. Son. Oh yeah. Um, they still have the girls at home, the two girls. But uh, um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to check and see if he's coming. I think he'll be around. I think he'll be around. Steve, Steve's going to make a game in the Bay. Now, the nice thing about the tailgate venue, it's really close to the stadium, so you can get there. Uh, there's a lot of parking northwest of the stadium that's easy access to the tailgate area and the stale and uh, the and the stadium and it's always a really good time ken lon is the california north region alumni chapter director on the wise guys tonight ahead of the byu stanford game saturday night in palo alto uh, these alumni events i know uh ring close to home your wife alicia is the uh what her new enthusiasm is a direct result of BYU alumni gatherings like the one on Saturday. It's it's true. I I actually attended law school at the University of Utah, and it was a great thing because I met my wife there. Right. And and there's nobody else on the planet that would put up with me like she <laughs> she does, and she's a phenomenal person. But when we were married, she was a Ute fan, and uh, but when when I relocated to Reno in uh, 2015. And I discovered that every major market in the country has a BYU alumni chapter. I, I lived in Las Vegas for seven years and, and had no clue that there were these local alumni chapters. But when I was in Reno, I found out about it, became involved. And, and she's great. And she helped me. And, and eventually um, they, they tapped me to be the, the chair for our local chapter. Yeah. And Alicia was great about helping me out. But um, there, and, and through participating in those act activities and going to the chapter conferences we have in Provo, I saw her start to turn a little bit. <laughs> but I have to um, give credit to Brian Santiago. Really? Ah. He, 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 with an assist on this one, he came and spoke to our local seminary students and did a couple of alumni things in, I think it was 2017. And it would have been really easy for him to cancel. It was the week that he was elevated to be the deputy athletic director. But um, he came and, and, and he left some BYU gear. And I, I, I caught my wife wearing BYU hats and BYU shirts around the house. <laughs> and I, I, I said, what, what's happened here? She says, I'm a, I'm a BYU fan. She's all in. That's awesome. She's full, fully converted. Now she's the one that turns on whether it's basketball, volleyball. Yeah. Um, she's the one that turns on the the sporting events in our house and takes our kids to the games whenever they're on the Wasatch Front. So she's true blue. That I tells me it. all those years ago you made a great decision. Complete convert, and uh, and it, it all came around. I love this story. So hey. thanks, Alicia, for being a fan, even though you're indoctrinated with that crazy Ute stuff at a young age. <laughs> Give us so. two keys to a BYU win. Now, put your analyst hat on. Uh, not you, you wear a real estate hat most of the time. Now you're a football analyst here on the Wise Guys. Two things BYU needs to do to win Saturday. I'm going to draw on my uh, on my depth of experience as a middle linebacker on my freshman football team. All right. Nice. But I think, as we've seen, any given Saturday, you can get a different result. How many upsets and surprising results have we seen across the country? I think BYU needs to come in and have a fast start. Okay. Don't let Tanner McKee 
get into a rhythm and feel like he can find his receivers. Um, momentum, I think, will be huge for this game. Stanford's a good team. They've had a disappointing year. Right. But you look at that result against Notre Dame, and, mm-hmm. and they, they have a good game in them. Yeah. And so does BYU, and we've seen that again and again. I think the other thing is I'd love to see more short game improvement with the line. And I, I mean, considering um, that he came from Stanford, I'd love to see some Houston with the rock and Hey, Chris Brooks has some uh, yeah, motivation to have a good game against Stanford as well. That's yeah, exactly man, I, right. I wouldn't, I think I'd, that'd be fun to see Houston line up at fullback Chris for Brooks. Brooks at tailback and let, let Houston just plow the road. That's a good take, Ken. I like it. Hey, does Alicia approve of these two keys? Did you run them past her? <laughs> yeah, I may have run them past a couple other people. All right, all <laughs> to, right. To vet them. I so like look, it. folks coming to the game Saturday night, uh, that alumni area where there's the tailgate, which is sold out, um, you're still encouraging fans, just come over and mix and mingle. They'll still have kind of somewhat access or what? Yeah, they'll, they'll be access. It's open to everybody. Okay. Um, and one really important reason to go by the tailgate, we've partnered with a really great organization. We, um, we made this connection through the local Just Serve rep, but we're, we're um, cooperating with a local charity there in the uh, Silicon Valley area, we hope. And we're asking fans to bring um, pairs of socks and surprisingly laundry detergent pods. And we hope serves the homeless population in the in the Bay Area. And they have these mobile um, they have these mobile supply trucks where they're able to give homeless or displaced people showers. They you think about you know one of the big problems with homelessness is you're you're wearing these ratty clothes that you haven't washed in who knows how many weeks, months, and they provide laundry services so they can leave those um, these mobile centers with a shower, a clean pair of clothes. So we'll have collection sites there at the venue, bring warm socks, bring laundry detergent pods, and we can really partner and and uh, bring some good to the community along with that's awesome. Good. That's awesome. We we love and. This has been a theme all year as we've we've connected with our BYU alumni chapter presidents. Every one of the chapters in every road venue this year has participated in a service project and and uh, served the community around where BYU's playing on the road. It's it's awesome. Do do good in the world, and BYU's doing that all over the country. Ken, one of our uh, live streamers is asking uh, for folks who aren't going to be in the Bay Area: Is there a website or? Uh, uh, some information where where folks around the country can um, can donate. Yeah, um, when I when I jump off of this, I'll put the link to the We Hope website. If you Google We Hope, I, you should be able to find it. But I'll put the link in the uh, in the feed. Great, awesome, Thanks, and we'll send great. it. We'll pass it on to everybody. Some questions on that. Cougar fans love to get involved in good causes. All right, look, we're holding you personally accountable for a win on Saturday night. Now that you've been on the Wise Guys, Are you ready for that kind of responsibility? I, I still remember the 2004 game. I, I want to get the stink of that game out of, out of my uh, man. That's a long season. time. No, that's like a player though. Players like you ask him like, "Hey, what about what about this season?" Like, "Oh yeah, I'll never forget when we lost to these guys." So, I I, I like that. That's been that's like stuck with Ken. That he's not happy with that. You can't especially because I've been this. married for a month and I had my Ute fan wife that was giving me guff about the game. Oh, that's watching. a double whammy. Oh, that's a double whammy right there. <laughs> yeah. We're glad you made it through. Time, time to turn it around for sure. Hey, let everybody down there with the uh, with the alumni group know about the Wise Guys and and uh, we're just uh, we're just a live stream podcast chat of everything that's important about uh, 
BYU and BYU sports, including this and the service project and the big game on Saturday. Thank you for coming on with us. Thanks so much, guys. Will do. Appreciate oh, it. All you right, got Ken, it. Thanks. We'll send you the podcast tomorrow. Ken Lund, the California North Region Alumni Chapter Director. They, it is so cool when, when BYU comes, they're like the Rolling Stones. You know, the area just gets invigorated and, mm-hmm. and Cougar fans, young and old, get their BYU shirts and hats on and show up. And I wish we could go to every road venue, we, we but we've to, been to a lot yeah, of them. Yeah, we've been to a lot of them. We used to go more than we do now. And, and it's awesome, the energy that's around there. And I love this, um, this theme that they're going to do a service project every time BYU plays in a road game. It just does so, so much good. Um, for the community, but it also um, shows that BYU cares about the communities around the country, and that BYU alumni all over the country care about their communities. It's a, it's a great it's a great thing. DJ, will you put up our game day graphic again for a second as uh, we segue out of football for a moment? Uh, we want to remind you Saturday night BYU Sports Nation game day nine o'clock Eastern time is the start. That's seven Mountain. On BYU TV, we'll be live from Stanford Stadium and our BYU TV studios leading right up to kickoff at 11 Eastern, 9 Mountain on FS1. And then we're back with the live postgame show no matter how late. We may go just right till the sun comes up Sunday morning on BYU TV. It's going to be a late one. Hold off on those turkey sandwiches, but we're going to have some fun with the uh, regular season finale, BYU-Stanford, on Saturday night. Our next guest is... BYU basketball's all-time leading scorer, passing up his dad and then passing up Danny Ainge and then passing up Jimmer Fredette. He's also a BYU TV basketball analyst on game day before every home game on BYU TV. A pleasure to welcome our colleague and friend Tyler Haas to the Wise Guys. Hey, there he is. Good evening, Tyler. Hey, how's it going, guys? So are you are you at home in your office and you've got like a three trifecta Michael Jordan behind you? Is that what's going on behind you? I, I'm in my basement. So this this poster behind me I got when I was probably 10 years old for Christmas. And I've kept it ever since. And so I threw it up. Yeah, that's it nice. It goes so, great. So was it originally just an old school paper poster and you kind of made it art by put, put it into three different pictures and framing it? No, I think I don't. That that must have been Marty's doing. He, <laughs> okay. he must have divided okay. it up. <laughs> hey, right. uh, I I tweeted out a picture of you uh, on social media as we we're promoting mm-hmm. this interview of you dunking the basketball uh, against Utah, and uh, their big guy was like right next to you, and you swooped right by him and, and dunked it yeah. in his face. How many dunks did you get at BYU? I'm I'm, I'm remembering. I think three. Is that right? <laughs> were there more than that? You're asking that like I didn't dunk very much. <laughs> well, uh, but uh, pro, I think I had, I know I had a few my senior year. I mean, it's probably less than ten. It's probably five or six. This do, morning we, re- we did. Do we need this to remind? We do we re- need to remind Dave that um, whether you dunk it or you shoot it off the glass, they're worth. They're still worth two. Or <laughs> if you step behind three point line, they're worth three. Right. <laughs> right. No, that that's exactly <laughs> right, Dave. Come on. But Listen. hey, that that dunk against Utah—that I mean—that was my freshman year, and I remember that play. Every time I see that that play, I'm I'm lucky I didn't land right on my head because that <laughs> that guy was coming right from behind me, and I didn't really know how to dunk yet. I'm, I was only 18, 19 years old, so I was lucky it went in. Well, it did go in. Hey, this when you, when you hit that shot to put yourself past uh, your friend Jimmer. Uh, a top BYU's record books for scoring. Uh, how'd that feel? 
I mean, incredible. It was, it was something, one of those things that like, you never set out on your college career to, to accomplish something like that. And it just kind of slowly happened, you know, even, you know, I, I heard rumblings my senior year that I was close and within striking distance and, and I had a bad ankle injury right in the middle of my senior year. And so I, there was a lot of, a lot of unknowns. I didn't know if it, it would be possible. And then I came back and kept scoring. And I was like, maybe we'll get there. And, but it, it, it was never, it's never a goal. Like I, I was trying to, trying to just help the team. And I was fortunate enough to have a role on each of my teams where I, I needed to score and they were calling plays for me. And Terry Nashif was, you know, you know, in my face, trying to, getting trying to get me to shoot more and you know I all those things were a blessing that kind of worked together to allow something special like that to happen you know do, uh, do you remember do you remember the shot do you remember that one when you passed Jimmer I I do yeah it was a it was a backdoor play I threw it into I think it was Ryan Andrus mm-hmm. who passed it to me and I had the option to to come off a little elbow screen or, or go back door, you know, based on how they were playing me and they overplayed it and ran through a good pass. When you were back, back your senior year, everybody knew that the offense was built around you. So we're, we're covering those games. Of course, Dave and I are covering those yeah. games and we're like, can he go out and get 20 tonight? Because they're doubling them all over the floor. They're helping off of everybody else on him. What's that like to be that marked of a guy, because uh, I feel like Alex Barcelo was in the same situation last year. They so depended on him to score that they're just trying to take him out of the game. They were doing that to you your whole senior season, but somehow you figured out a way to score and to carry the scoring load for the team. What was that like? Yeah, very, very challenging. You knew you had a target on your chest uh, every single night, but um, again, I'll give a lot of credit to Terry Nash. If I've talked to some people about this, I mean, it seemed like he was always one step ahead of the way teams were going to play me. And he'd throw in some wrinkles right at the right time um, to, to help me get going, help me get in the rhythm of the game. Um, but, you know, also, I mean, I try, I tried really hard to, you know, not be a, a, a dominant, you know, um, you know, have to have the ball in my hands all the time, score. Like I, I tried to score in lots of ways. I, I, I mean, I shot a ton of free throws at BYU and you tried to get, tried to run hard in transition, tried to get easy buckets in transition, tried to be a good offensive rebounder. I tried to score in lots of different ways besides having to, you know, have the ball in my hands so defenses could key on me. I tried to just uh, let the game come to me, play hard, and uh, and let the scoring kind of take care of itself. Find other ways to to be involved in the offense. I remember uh, we were in Vegas mm-hmm. for the Vegas Bowl, two thousand nine. You were in Vegas. BYU was playing Nevada. I think it was at the Orleans uh-huh. or Mandalay Bay. Uh, and of course, Jimmer was. Everyone was scoring, but you, as a freshman, I think you had twenty. I think it was your first twenty point game. You're hitting yeah. shots all over the place, and they're too worried about Jimmers over here and this guy. Over. What? Who's this kid? And uh, that was the first time we saw you really light it up since uh, since your high school days. And and then when you got back from your mission, you had you had that freshman year one where you got a lot of points. 
to start your foundation was already set as a as a score but I remember that Vegas game, and I think it was a wild game, like 98, yeah, 96 yeah. or something. Yeah, high-scoring game, yeah. So you got that I, going for you. Yeah, I, I remember that game very vividly. Uh, fun tournament. And, yeah, playing alongside Jimmer, I mean, I had to get creative. I had to find other ways to to get involved because he was going to take a lot of shots. Uh, <laughs> and for good reason, right? Yeah. Uh, but I had to find a way to contribute. And so – but there, there were definitely games when he had two or three guys on him. And so I was getting wide open shots. And so, you know, I remember a couple of times that year we beat, we went down to San Diego state and, and won there my freshman year, Mm -hmm. um, Kawhi Leonard, all those guys. And that was another game where things just opened up and they were keying on him and I got, I got open looks. And so that's always nice when they start keying on a guy and you're ready to go and chomping at the bit to, to get some shots up. So I had actually broadcast that game. That he's talking about down in VA hot yeah. that year that, yeah. that when you were, when you were a young and and Jim was going off that, that was a fun year um, to be a freshman. It, it's funny when, when you were the guy and, and everybody was relying on you to score, you remember when Jimmer was the guy because, and, and how did teams, when you've got somebody like that, um, Sometimes you look at a team, you're like, look at everybody's just standing around. They're just watching Jimmer, like their own teammates. They're just watching Jimmer. Yeah, I feel like that team did a great job of not standing around and, and watch Jimmer and moving. How do you get that mentality like, yeah, we got a great score, but we all have to contribute and keep moving because when they shut them down, I got to be ready. That That's not an easy mindset to have as a basketball team when you have yeah. somebody that's that dominating as a scorer, right? Yeah, that that team was so talented. Like looking back, I didn't even realize like how many awesome pieces we had around. And and it was just the culture that that was built when I got there. I mean, it was really competitive. We got after each other every day. Guys were, I mean, open gyms were very, very competitive. And it 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 was led by guys like Jackson Emery, right? Noah Hartsock brought it every day. Jonathan Tavernari was bringing it, talking trash. Like <laughs> I uh, can see from, that. <laughs> from the moment I got on campus, it was competitive. Charles Abuo like pushed me every single day. I didn't know if I was going to play because there, there we had so many guards on that team that that could play. Mike Lloyd Jr. and Lamont Morgan, like. And and everybody wanted to everyone wanted to win. That was the biggest thing. It was it was all about winning and uh, and contributing. And so, you know that that mindset and culture right from the beginning. You know, in in spring basketball and 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 the whole summer, like I I felt those things. And I was like, man, I gotta I gotta get up extra shots. I gotta be ready for when my numbers called and, you know, I, fortunately I, w- I was able to work my way into the lineup and, uh, and have a big role, but it didn't come easy. And, you know, guys, guys were getting after each other and it was ultra competitive in practice, which, you know, made it that much more, I guess, freeing in the game to where if one guy was getting keyed on the next guy stepped up and, and was ready. Tyler Haas on the Wise Guys tonight, BYU TV basketball analyst and the all-time leading scorer in program history. Um, we like people to be honest on this show, so we're, I want, I'm going to ask you this next question, um, uh, and we expect a full honest answer, don't we, Blaine? Always. <laughs> always. When has Tyler ever not just told I know, but truth. I just wanted to put it <laughs> out Tyler there. Tyler always speaks truth. Always <laughs> speaks truth. So, uh, so you and Jim are 
you shoot your way past Danny Ainge, who's got his jersey up there, and he comes to the games and he talks to us. And we were talking to him about stuff the other day. And, and of course, he didn't have the three-point line, and you guys do. So do you guys feel bad, kind of, that you blew right past him and relegated him to third when he did not have the three-point <laughs> yeah. line? No, I do not feel bad for Dan. <laughs> not at all. No. For sure, he can make he can make every excuse there is. <laughs> it is what it is, Danny. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, here's another question about. Uh, so basketball has been played at BYU since 1902, and here we got you and Jimmer as teammates, and in the very same era, one and two in scoring in school history. I mean, there've been a ton of players that have come through. And, uh, you know, Kreshmer Chosich, and then you go, well, 15 years later, such and such did something. But for the two of you guys to go one, two all time in scoring in such a short period of time, I mean, how unique does that feel? No, it's, it's very unique. I mean, not, not many programs, I think, have something like that happen. Um, and, I mean, Jimmer, if Jimmer would have had, you know, his junior and senior year, his freshman and sophomore year, I mean, I think he would have had close to 4,000 points. I mean, the, the work that he did and that his junior and senior season was just like unbelievable. I mean, he, his scoring came in, in huge buckets. Right. Um, and what he did his senior year, I don't think, I mean, very, very hard to match what he did yeah. that senior year and some of the games that he had. And like my, my game was not that at all. It was, you know, I, there were lots of games where I was silent, but, you know, found a way to score 20 points. That was, that was kind of my game. I, I had a few you know, breakout games, but my, my scoring was just consistent and, and a little more subtle than, uh, than Jimmer knocking down 40 footers. Right. <laughs> uh, but really, really special. I mean, uh, to, I was just fortunate enough to, to play alongside some really good guys, my, my freshman year. And then I went on my mission and came back and I knew the drill and knew what I needed to do, knew the, the work that I needed to put in. And it was the culture that those guys had built and, um, had an awesome next three years after that. Tyler's way underselling by the way. And this yeah. is what we love about Tyler. He's unbelievably humble, but you don't become the all-time leading scorer unless you're really, really special. And as much as teams were doubling Jimmer, um, his junior and senior year, they were doubling Tyler his junior yeah, and senior year. They're fouling and hacking you and trying and, to worry you out. And I'll tell you that one of the great things about Tyler is um, he played on attack. And, and he would play through contact, and he would get to the free throw line. And when Tyler got to the free throw line, it was like, I didn't even, it's like, yeah, he's making it. Tyler's going to make it. He was just going to make, make a free throw. So your number one in program history was 724 free throws, Tyler, which is also an amazing feat. You held the record. You hold the record still for 50 consecutive free throws made. First of all, what mindset does it take to be that good at shooting free throws? And then I want to know if you remember the first one you missed. What happened when you got to 51? Like, what happened with that? Why wasn't it 100? Because I thought you would make 100 in a row. Yeah. So, I mean... Really, this sounds silly, but it it just it goes back to being in the gym by yourself, getting the reps in. Right? I yeah. tried to shoot a hundred free throws every every day when I was there after my workout, or you know, spaced out during my workout. And so, you know, 
it, it just became just repetition and muscle memory and got to the point where, you know, all you're doing is counting a few misses every hundred. Right. And really surprised when, when you do miss. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that work start, I can remember being a, uh, a fifth or sixth grader and keeping track of my free throws and making, you know, 65, 70, 73. And just slowly I, I got better and better, grew into my body. And, you know, my goal was 90. And by, by the time I was, you know, in later in high school, but um, yeah, just kind of another one of those things that just kind of happened. And my freshman year, I went on, you know, a big streak, uh, I made 49. And then I, I went on my mission and it, it's funny, I was thinking about this today, but my, my first interview when I got back from my mission was Dave. Dave, oh, no. Dave interviewed me and my wife gives me such a hard time. We still watch it every now and again. I have such like <laughs> such a thick accent. Like I couldn't speak English. It was weird. But you asked me, you asked me about my free throw streak and it's like, hey, I just got to make my next one. And I made one more my sophomore year. And then I missed. I missed the next one. So, <laughs> Dave, I, it was because he gave you bad karma. I don't know. That's what that. it, it is. He asked yeah. you about it. Who did you miss? Bad. Who did you miss against? What happened? I it, it was one of the first games. I can't remember. I can't so remember. It was 49 and it held over for two years while yeah. you were gone. It, and then yeah. he hit then 50. He, and, and then, then he missed one. And then, then was, he went on another streak. So here, I want everybody to... I want to take us back to what you just said because I want everybody to hear that. Am I am I wrong in interpreting what you said? From the time you were either in fifth or sixth grade, you got up a hundred free throws every day from that point through college. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, there there yeah, were days. Yeah, I, yeah, he's saying yes. <laughs> there there were some days I missed, and obviously during the year is a little bit different. But yeah, when I was in my workout plan i i was i would always shoot a hundred yeah and that's and that's and that's not to mention the number of jump shots you got up from all over the floor in a particular workout but you made sure because people i don't think people understand the level of commitment it takes whether it's football basketball to play at that level and to be an all-time leading scorer for you it started in fifth or sixth grade and you're getting shots up every day during workout time um, and, and you're mastering your craft all the way up through, and your goal in high school was 90 of a hundred in that workout. Um, and you'd get 90 of a hundred or more all the way through college, right? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I, my record and, and there were some mornings where I was on a roll and it just making a lot and I'd see how many I could make. And I, one morning I made a hundred and 149 in a row. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, but I mean, really, it's just it's getting reps up, it's just being in the gym and being disciplined, and you know, you get to the point where you, if you have a rebounder, you can knock you can knock that out in in fifteen or twenty minutes. Um, but it's just being disciplined to to shoot them right. Lots of kids, I think, especially nowadays, you know, go and they're working on moves that are not applicable to what they're going to do. Right. And for me, it was always just putting in a, a body of work to where when I got on the court, I knew 
I could play confident and play free. And my, cause I, I knew I had put in all the time. No one had worked harder than me. And so I, I prided myself on, on just the body of work that I, that I put in, um, you know, kind of bouncing off of that before my senior year, um, I sat down with, with Pope, with coach Pope. He was an, he was an assistant while I was there and he, he, helped me put together a shooting workout that that was the toughest shooting workout I had ever done and it was it took me two hours to get through and there were mornings that it was like it was painful to be in the gym knowing what I had to do and get done in those those two hours but it's just being disciplined to uh to get up and get moving and no matter how your body feels you were still going to put in the work and I think those are the the pieces that uh, help me be successful. Couple more questions with Tyler Haas tonight on the Wise Guys. You're also number one in school history in minutes played, four thousand four hundred twenty-seven. So you you were in the game a lot, managed to stay in there, tied for ninth with a hundred thirty-eight steals. So those who said you only scored and didn't play defense, that by that that. Yeah. That supports that notion. Congratulations. But in a free throw shooting contest between you and, say, Jimmer Fredette, who wins? Let's say you're shooting 30. Who wins? Uh, it, it would be it'd be close, no doubt. And? You, you beat him in free throws, though, right? I took you. Like, we, we, Dave asked me this earlier. I'm like, I'm taking Tyler on free throws. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I – I think I do have a better percentage than Jimmer. <laughs> so is that a yes? You take him at the line? Now, we'll, uh, when we get him it. on the show, we'll ask him about uh, maybe the three-point yeah, line. So if Jimmer comes, like, if we just put five racks of balls, um, I'll, I'll uh, you know, staggered along the three-point line, I, I'm like, it would still be close, but I might take Jimmer in that. But I'm absolutely taking you on the free-throw line. Am, is, am I wrong in those, those two choices? No, I, I mean the mid range and the free throw line area. That that is my that's my bread and butter right there. All right, so that's a yes. That's a yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll own that day. You're better than Jimmer on yep, that one. Yep. All right, now remove Jimmer and add your brother TJ and your dad Marty into that free throw shooting contest. Who wins that? Oh yeah, me, no doubt. Really, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no hesitation when it came to family. Ah. Notice with Jimmer, he was kind of like, uh, I don't know if I want to make Jimmer mad. Right, dad and brother, forget it. We will just go right for the. Yep, no, he's got those guys, no problem. So, so what? What? What was TJ's greatest skill? Yeah, TJ, I think his one of his greatest strengths was always his confidence. Um, from the moment he could pick up a ball. I mean, he, I, I'm four and a half years older than Teej. And so, you know, he was always the little dude running around acting like he belonged, right? You know, sixth, seventh grade, we started to play on some competitive teams and Teej was not, Teej was in first or second grade and not afraid to jump in and practice and, you know, got, got used to playing with older kids and he was just always, always felt like he belonged and super confident. And I think that that carried him through his whole career. Um, But our games are so different. Tej is a lot better. I mean, I'll give him, I'll give him this. He's a lot better ball handler than me and a lot, lot smoother with the ball um more comfortable in ball screen situations and 
I mean, had some very, very special games his senior year, just in, in the ball screen, just making, making good decisions. And, um, but I would say his confidence for sure. That's awesome. When, when just, here's the funny thing. Cause we talked to coaches, um, at the shoot rounds to opposing coaches. And when we used to talk to him about you, they'd be like, dude is just relentless. Like he just wears you down. Like he's going to run you off a million screens and catch and shoot. And he's going to get to the free throw. He's going to wear you down. His, He's just relentless. That's what they would say about you, which is a great compliment, right? And then, yeah. and then when we talked to him about TJ, they would say, we cannot stay in front of that guy. Can't stay in front of him. Yeah. And it drives us nuts because he's breaking our defense down with the ball in his hand, and now we're in rotations, and he's finding the guy or he's scoring. And no matter what we do, nobody on our team can stay in front of him, which is really a cool thing too. Very different games, both unbelievably successful. And what a great family tradition you guys have here with your with your dad as well your dad played back when I was around and people couldn't get in front of him because he was so blazingly fast with the ball in his yeah. hands so yeah. fun, fun family traditions right no it's I mean awesome uh yeah thanks for thanks for saying all that we I mean we grew up just in a basketball house my my grandpa too I mean from a very young age was I mean so involved with with games and practices and hey ty you get 20 rebounds today i i've got i've got a 20 dollar bill for you stuff like that nice i like that uh we we just grew up loving the game and you know fortunate to really have my dad around my dad just a wealth of knowledge that really helped teach and i grow into our bodies and our game and yeah, a lot of our success is owed to him. Yeah. Last question before Blaine hits you up with five quick ones. Uh, the current Cougars, 3-1, and one, they're down there in the Bahamas, play USC tomorrow afternoon in the battle for Atlantis in either Tennessee or Butler on Thursday, and then they'll get a third game on Friday. What do you make of, uh, of this group, and how different are they going to be from the group we see, say, uh, mid-February? Yeah, th- this group is really interesting. Um, you know, I think they're they're working through some growing pains right now. Uh, they're trying to play fast, but obviously, with that comes you know a different style of game. Lots of turnovers. I mean, their decision making hasn't been hasn't been what it needs to be. But um, they have some t- really talented pieces. We've seen some. I mean, listen, you don't go into Viejas Arena and, you know, go up six with five minutes left if you're not a good team. I mean, they're they're very capable of putting together a great season. I feel like they've kind of played to the level of their competition, right, in in each of these games so far. Um, But, you know, as long as they keep getting better and keep growing and, you know, the leaders on the team uh, continue to grow into their roles, like – you know, I think I think Rudy Williams needs to needs to play a little bit better and need to see some more out of him. He needs to develop into uh, a role, a, a better role. Um, but we've seen great things out of you know Spencer Johnson and um, Gideon George is coming along. Atiki's been uh, awesome so far. We've seen good things out of Foose. Um, I don't mean to harp on only Rudy. We've seen good things out of Rudy too love his pace and how fast he's trying to play. Like that's something in my mind that I feel like has been, it, I've, I've missed that the last couple of years, just because it, personnel, they, they played a slower pace yeah. and 
I we always played super fast, get the ball out, race it up. Uh, if you have a good look, let it fly. And so I, I think to answer your question, like come come February, I think we're going to see a much uh, much more seasoned team that takes care of the ball and understands you know what's a good shot, what's not a good shot, when when the right time to attack is. I, I feel like there there's sometimes we've seen so far where guys are trying to force things one-on-one too much. It, it, the ball swung around a little bit and it, it, they, they're trying to establish themselves and, you know, find their rhythm and find their role on the team. But I think all of those kinks will be worked out and, you know, hopefully they can put together a good year. A question for you on the turnovers, Tyler. So, you know, we've always had kind of 12 as a benchmark, keep 12 and under, um, and you're in pretty, pretty good company nationally. Most would agree with that. I know San Diego State, like Dutch, he's a good friend of mine. He, he just likes them to have 12 or under. That's always their goal. Is that too much to ask when they're trying to play at this pace? Is there, like, should we be maybe expecting 15 when they get this thing dialed? Like, what's a good number for a goal for turnovers? Because this team's been 20 plus consistently, mm-hmm. and we know that's too much. Yeah. No, I would say 12 is a, is a good goal. I mean, really, most teams are shooting for 10 and under, right? Uh, but if you can stay under 12 and, you know, there's some there's some passes and some drives that I can live with. I'm like, hey, he's being aggressive there. He's trying to make something happen. We'll live with it. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's been some silly passes that, uh, you know, just some bad decisions that they've got to work through and, and figure out. You got to you got to figure out how to play fast. And, you know, I say that tongue in cheek because the, I for sure there were some games when I was there where we had 20 plus turnovers. Uh, but it it's it's part of it sometimes. But, you know, it's hard to win against good teams when you turn it over that much. Right. And especially when they when teams want to slow it down too, you get into conference Gonzaga and St. Mary's, you know, it, they will slow it down on you. And so, yeah, there you got to pick your moments to, to play fast and get out and transition. Um, but you also have to know when, okay, they're, they're back. We're not going to get something. Let's, let, let's get into our motion offense. Right. So 12 is the number we're going to go 12. 12. We're going to hold it, hold the guys to 12. All right. Five quick questions. We'll let you get back to your family. We sure appreciate uh, you being with us on the wise guys. And of course you're with us all season long on BYU TV, and we have a good time. Yep, game day. You ready? With, these are with, these with are the most important five answers of the night. That's right, and you don't, you, don't, you can't even think about it. You just got to answer them fast. That's how it right, goes. Right, all right. So favorite sports movie? Favorite sports movie is Rudy. That's our second Rudy of the night. Do you know that, yeah, Ben Cahoon, all-time leading receiver in CFL history, Rudy's his favorite. Wow. So, hey, for BYU go. wide receiver. Um, favorite band or singer? Favorite band or singer? Um, you know, I love, <clears throat> I love uh, REO Speedwagon. Man, it's old school, right see, there. Early eighties. Tyler's like old school. Guy. You don't need to tell us what era. We all know REO Speedwagon. Any <laughs> those guys are. Yet I'm still those are classic. I saw them in concert a couple times, and they're even in these later years. They're just so entertaining. They and still. Fun. They still. Great. You have sometimes bands when they get older. Like, the voices aren't quite as good. Oh, no, REO Speedwagon, if you go listen to them right now, they sound that, just like they did Kevin in the Cronin can still get it they done. They can still get I it know. done. And maybe Excellent they didn't do as choice. Much, they maybe didn't do as many drugs as some of the other 
bands in the 80s, and that's why they can still do it. I think so. Hopefully that's so, the case. Okay, favorite breakfast cereal? Favorite breakfast cereal is um, ooh, probably Bunches of Oats right now. Honey Bunches of Oats? Honey Bunches of Oats. Okay, I'm going to sit down have a bowl of cereal. That's what it is. And see, that's okay because okay. just Bunches of Oats is no good. Cause, but the Honey Bunches of Oats are actually like dipped in sugar honey. Which yeah, is Bunches good. of Oats. That's the way you feed a horse. Yeah. So honey uh, bunches but honey of bunches of oats, that's different. But just so you know, we mock anybody that doesn't even eat a sugar-coated cereal on this show. So It's because part of Dave, who we are. Dave likes Captain Crunch. Not with Crunch Breaks, just plain old straight. Captain Crunch. Straight. I like him straight. Which okay. they take those little crunch things and they dip them completely in sugar. So, uh, Favorite BYU moment? You know, I, I, I've got two. Okay. I mean, can get, I say two? Yeah, give us yeah, both. Yeah. You say two. <laughs> One was my senior year. We won at Gonzaga on their senior night. Uh, that was that was a very special special moment. What were they ranked? Uh, what were they ranked at the time? I think they were. The I want to say they were top five. Two or three, yeah. maybe. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, just a huge win. They hate, finally got they hate the BYU because we're the only ones that beat them at their place. That's right. They hate that. <laughs> um, but. My my freshman year, there were a couple of moments that were looking back were just really special with Coach Rose because he, you know, I didn't even know that he if he was going to be able to coach that year because he had just found out he had cancer and you know we had a moment um, during the coaches versus cancer game against Utah wore pink. There was that locker room after was was very special. Um, but beating Florida in the first round was another another moment where there was a lot leading up to that and a lot of emotion for coach. Um, the team meeting before the night before was very emotional, like all, on the verge of tears, like, you know, we can do this thing and we deserve this. And it, I, it was just really, really cool to to be a part of when you pour all of your heart and emotion into into your team and winning and you know it was just just really cool and there's there's nobody tougher than coach rose that we know no. No, we talked to him the other night yeah. yeah so okay favorite lesson you learned from your dad number five favorite lesson um you thought these were going to be easy these aren't just bubblegum questions these are <laughs> yeah making me think um i mean probably just consistent hard work uh, consistent hard work um he just taught me to be disciplined and um never never pushed me to uh you know it was never yanking me out of bed to get to the gym but um yeah instilled in me some discipline and you know his his rule was hey i'll come rebound for you but you've gotta you've gotta get me up so i had i had to get him up from a young age and you know it instilled a good work ethic in me so i'll take that awesome it's awesome the great tyler haas we wish you a happy thanksgiving we will see you on byu tv next tuesday as the cougars go up to vivin arena oh, yeah be fun. You, are you you're gonna be in studio in provo right yeah i think we'll be in studio but you live in salt lake no we i live in lehigh oh i knew you were north right i was thinking you're over the point so you're just in lehigh okay so we'll pass by your house and we'll drive to vivin and then you can come down here closer to where we live <laughs> there and we go. Hey, you're doing yeah. a great job. We're happy to be uh, we're happy to be colleagues with you and friends, and, and we sure thank you, thank you for your time and say hi to your wife and kids. And we will um, we'll see you next week.
I will. No, hey, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, look up to both of you guys. You guys are legends in the broadcasting industry. So uh, it's it's an honor for me to work alongside you. And yeah, congrats on all you're doing on the show. And uh, really, it, it's a pleasure to be on. Thanks so much for having me. We're going to extend this interview now. So go ahead and keep no, saying good no. things. Now <laughs> we're going to wrap it up. Okay. Tyler, you're, you're the best. You know, we love being around you. Your energy is awesome. Thanks so much for, for being on us with us tonight. We'll see you on Tuesday. Yeah. Sounds good, guys. Thanks, all right, Tyler. the great Tyler Haas. Number one score. Of all the scores at BYU, no one scored more points than Tyler Haas. Isn't that, I mean, uh, think, think about awesome. the players that have been through this program. That's the guy right think there. Think of the guys we had on the show tonight. Yeah. All-time leading receiver up until recently and Hall of Famer and in the Canadian football And by the way, you league. and I are going to take care ben of that. Can. I'm going to reach out to Montreal and say, Ben's up for this. Ben's look, wife, the wise Kim, guys has an idea. Ben's wife, Kim, supports this. How about we do some big promotion around this? He comes back, you throw him three screens, he takes over the all-time lead, and then he gets out of the game before he gets hurt. Fantastic. And I think you and I will travel up for that. I think I think I think we should. I think we should try to let's let's look into that. Let's see if we can do this this it's next It's too season. easy That'd to pass. Be so fun. All right, let's get a couple of headlines in and we'll finish up with our day in history and our football picks in the in the final few minutes of what has been an awesome Wise guys. Earlier today, uh, by the way, Vegas was awarded the final four in 2020. Right. Jerry Tarkanian has turned in his grave. It's going to be at Allegiant Stadium, which is going to be, let's be honest, a horrible place to watch a basketball game because it is so it's big. Too big. It's too but big. that's where it's but going in 2020. But that's how they do it now. So it's not yeah. any worse than any of the other The Superdome or any of that yes. stuff. But, but it's cool. cool. Cool that's going to Vegas. College football playoff pullout tonight. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, then LSU, then USC. We'll see what happens down the stretch. Yeah. It's a big I, weekend. Hey, I'm rooting for TCU to be in that thing. Come on, we got. Yeah, we're, why not? We're rooting. Would for... we get any of their money? Would we get any of their money? Well, no, not this year. Because we're gonna be. Because you remember the payouts are like stagnated. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we get some of it. Hey, here's nice. the thing: league league loyalty. Now, I'm all into the Big Twelve. Now, it's all about league loyalty. So, um, couple of notes: BYU routed Utah Tech. We know that Jaron Hall right. had a career day. We know that 456 yards. Uh, and they're getting ready for Stanford on Saturday night. We've been talking about that. Women's volleyball coming up here in about 10 minutes. Yep. Number two, San Diego State at number 17 BYU down in the Smithfield House. going to be on ESPNU. Um, USD swept the Cougars in San Diego. Yeah, they're on, legit. On so, no, they're really good. So, let's, let's that place this. will be rocking. Yep. rocking and and the men's, men's hoops, of course, in the battle for Atlantis, you and I volunteered to go cover that. Nobody took and us up And we're still on here it. tonight. So, um, uh, tomorrow, BYU against USC, 5 p.m., um, Eastern. ESPN2. Yep. So or, we can oh, is it ESPN2? Yeah. That's right. 3 p.m. Mountain on ESPN2. And then Thursday, they'll have either Tennessee or Butler. Um, we don't know the game time yet. It depends on what happens tomorrow. Friday is to be determined as well. But what a lot of great teams in that tournament, and hopefully they're having some fun back there and bring home some wins. Women's Hoops are going to host Carroll College tomorrow, 4 Eastern, 2 Mountain on the BYU TV app. Yep. They'll host Ball State Saturday at 4 Eastern, 2 Mountain on BYU TV. I'll be on the call for that one with Kristen Kozlowski because Spencer is at Stanford. And Kristen's awesome. Anchoring our coverage there. Cougs 1-4, and four, Lauren Gustin averaging 15 points and 15 rebounds. We do want to congratulate Amber Whiting. She picked up her first win last week at the North Shore Showcase, beat Washington State on her birthday over there in La EA. Number one of many yeah. uh, in the victory column. So happy belated. And she landed belated. top 25 recruiting class just in the last couple weeks. Yeah, so so pretty cool. she's got some firepower hey, uh, coming Women's in. soccer, NCAA recap, they, they um, defeated Stanford 5-4 in penalty kicks that was nice. on Thursday to get to the Sweet 16, which is pretty awesome. Back-to-back -back Sweet 16s. Elimon had the decisive goal. Uh, but then in the Elite Eight, 
North Carolina beat BYU on their home turf, yeah. of course. 3-2. That. that was three a tough two. one. Um, so they wrap up the season with an 11-3 record, seven ties. So championship game last year, they lose all their firing firing power, come back, make the Sweet 16 this year, and everybody's back next year. Oh, yeah. They're a preseason top 10 team next year, and I think they're right back competing for an Elite Eight and maybe a national championship again next year. Speaking of top 10, cross country, the BYU men finished number three, women finished number eight. In the nation, congratulations. Top 10 finishes again for both awesome. programs. Men had a chance at a championship there. Let's their, do some, their big rival, NAU, won it this year. It's Thanksgiving week. There's some huge football games, which is so Your picks. much fun. Uh, last week I went 5-0, and oh, and um, you went. Uh, you didn't go 5-0. and oh. Slipped by a little bit. What did I go? 4-1. Uh, we well, only had one different. I think we had two different. Didn't we? Because uh, I just pulled yeah. with my heart. Because I went with Arkansas, and you went with... Um, Oh, that's Ole Miss, right. yeah. and then uh, we both went with uh, Oregon. Yeah, uh, we had another one, but anyway, that uh, that one is. Uh, I've almost clinched the title, but that's beside that's the point. Okay. Here comomes some games this week that could turn things. Mississippi State at Ole Miss. Did you hear Lane Kiffin might be, might be the rumor was he's going to leave Ole Miss to take the Auburn job. That's been kicked around. Yeah, I don't know what that means for Jackson Dart. Do you, th- do you think that they're going to be a little um, distracted? Is that what you're saying? I'm, I, I, I'm going to say State comes in and throws the ball for a bazillion Ole Miss yards. got killed last week, didn't they? They weren't good, but I say they're going to have a bounce back and win at okay. home. Okay, I'm going to go Mississippi State and go with, uh, with, Mike. with Mike Leach. So okay. you're going Ole Miss. Uh, North Carolina State at North Carolina. These are two ranked teams. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm saying I like Mac Brown. See, here's my thing: where I, North Carolina State probably wins, but I just like Mac Brown, so I'm going. North I'm Carolina. going North Carolina on the home turf. Yep. Florida at Florida State. Florida State. I'm taking Florida State at home, and Florida's floundered. That's Utah's big win or a big loss. Florida. Yeah. Oregon at Oregon State. This is a tricky one. Here's it's hard because they just beat Utah on their home field with a one-legged quarterback and three offensive linemen out. And how is it that Utah in all their big games never plays a hundred percent healthy quarterback? They just get lucky. But, but I don't, they had to muster every bit of energy they could possibly. I still think they go and win at Oregon State. I'm going Oregon State. You're and going Oregon State's Oregon. good this year. They're yeah. good. Washington at Washington State. I think Washington is for real. I'm yeah. going Washington. I'm too on that one. Michigan, Ohio State, the big one. Uh, I want Michigan, but I think Ohio State's going to win. The line of scrimmage is going to decide it again, like last year. Um, but the Buckeyes are home. I want Michigan. Just for the record, I'm rooting for Michigan, but I think Ohio State's going to win. Notre Dame at USC. USC's going to score like 100. I'm going to go USC too, but that one's going to be a little interesting. Notre Dame's playing good. Yeah, they won 44-zip last week. And then the week before that, they throttled Clemson. Yeah, for those of you that think that BYU, like that was the game BYU should have won, and Notre Dame's got a lot of talent. That That's what BYU's capable of. When their assignment sound, they're pretty good against Notre Dame. Couldn't stop their tight end, but guess what? Nobody can stop their tight end. Those are our picks. Cougars in the NFL. Thanksgiving, Jamal Williams will be front and center on national TV with the Bills at the Lions. He's up to 12. Yeah, he leads, rushing he leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns. I'll put him in my fantasy roster. And I'll put the, him in the lineup this week. And the best dancing. So I I, I love Jamal Williams uh, and, and the way he represents BYU. It's pretty fun. Okay, how about Sunday? Um, the Bucks and the Browns. Sione Takitaki is having a great season at linebacker uh, for, for the Browns. Bears at Jets. I hope Zach can win just to calm things down there. People just relax. I, I You're just, the Jets. We were talking about this uh, earlier. The Bills used to be the Bills, and Josh Allen comes in, and he he was the worst completion percentage in the National Football League for two years. 
And they weren't like Jets fans. We're like, yeah. got to get rid of this guy. Zach Wilson's playing better than Josh Allen played for two years. And he's going to get better. And let the Jets put the kind of players the Bills put around Josh yeah, if, Allen. If you surround Zach with the talent that, that the Bills surrounded Josh with, I'm not saying he's Josh because Josh one of the best three guys in the league. But Zach Wilson will be a very good quarterback. Please stop it, Jets fans. That's why nobody likes you. And Zach, let's have a good game Sunday. Yeah, so come on, Zach. You're playing okay. the Bears. And how, the about, Bears. how about our guy Tyler Algier with the Falcons and how well he is playing? He's playing great right now at the Commanders with Dax Milne. Yeah, two old buddies, old teammates back yeah. together. Brady Christensen and the Panthers host the Broncos. And then the Chargers with both Kyle Van Noy and Michael Davis on that defense are at the Cardinals. What a game with the Chiefs the other night. Yeah, what, a, what a load you had. Van Noy trying to deal with Mahomes. Oh, man. So uh, Taysom Hill and Danny Sorensen, the Saints are at the 49ers, so they'll reunite with Fred Warner. David Nixon's going to be down there. He's going to interview Taysom after the game, and we'll have it on uh, BYU Sports Nation next week. Yep. So that's the Cougars in go. the NFL. This day in history on November 22nd. Yep. In 1930, the first football game was broadcast to England. Harvard beat Yale 13-0. to so the Brits were like, what are the Americans doing? And here comes a football college broadcast. Football. I used to cover the Ivy League for NBC back in the day. And it was actually really cool football because it was all about just playing because they love it because it was not big time. 1934 on this day. Santa Claus is coming to town is first heard on the Eddie Cantor show. 1934. We all know the words. Okay, 1963 on this day. President John F. Kennedy is assassinated in Dallas by Lee Harvey Oswald. And also Lyndon B. Johnson sworn in as president after the assassination. Man. In 1968, the Beatles released the White Album. A few hits on that one. Yeah, no kidding. 1986, Mike Tyson beats Trevor Burbick in Vegas to become the youngest heavyweight champion in the world, 20 years old. And you covered big time I boxing covered a lot in of Vegas his during those years. Those, those, were, awesome. those were from 1995. Toy Story is released in theaters and changes the game in animated or whatever Pixar-type oh, yeah. films. Unbelievable. How cool was Buzz Lightyear? He still is cool. And Woody. And Woody and the Played whole by Tom group. Hanks. Yeah, pretty yeah. amazing. Birthdays today, 1856, Heber J. Grant, 7th President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And in 1921, nobody gave him any respect then. Nobody gave him any respect later. Rodney Dangerfield, <laughs> 1921. 1943, Billie Jean King. Tennis star. 1958, Jamie Lee Curtis. 1967, Mark Ruffalo, the Hulk. Yep. 1984, I can't even believe she's that young. Scarlett Johansson, the Black Widow. If you had to have someone come save you, would you take uh, the Hulk or the Black Widow? I want Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, I would me. take the Black Widow, too. I'd take my chances. Uh, deaths today, 1718, Blackbeard, the pirate. The real pirate Blackbeard. 1718 was... Yeah. 1963, C.S. Lewis. About that. Great author. And, of course, as mentioned, 1963, President John F. Kennedy on this day. All right, for our Lavelle quote, we have, uh, during my interview with Athletic Director Tom Homo on BYU's final games as an independent before joining the Big 12, he said this about the blueprint he followed throughout his 12-year journey of independence. He said, we tried to build the program on the core principles that Lavelle taught us. The mission of the school and try to do it right, Homo said. We failed sometimes in those respects, but in the end, we did it well enough to get the invite. Lavelle's influence lives on in so many ways, including in membership of the Big 12. Right on. That's cool. Caleb Chapman's here ready to perform Rise and Shout after BYU has locked up their 17th bowl game in 18 years by defeating Utah Tech. It's short. 
powerful, enjoyable. Here it is. time we play that you're just sitting there grooving right along yeah because i hey caleb can just play it he just brings so much soul we thought brendan campbell would play rise and shout on his bass guitar next I think time. he's working on that next time he, did, uh, his, he he got delayed and had to come kind of late so he didn't get to bring in the guitar but he's gonna do it for us at some point thank you for watching the wise guys the podcast will be up tomorrow share it with your friends throughout the thanksgiving holiday we're back next week it'll be a little different for us because we're going to be calling a basketball game yep. but the podcast will roll on as normal and we'll be here uh to talk about the stanford game um and then and then we're up and you can get us anytime at wiseguys.com and youtube and yep. and twitch uh, happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving yep same to you. Hope you guys eat. Uh, you can eat lots of turkey on Thursday, but don't eat it Saturday. We need you awake for that Stanford yeah, game. We will see you Saturday night on game day and again next week. Have a great Thanksgiving week. Good Thanks, night, everybody. everybody.